Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the December 2022 edition of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. Last pod of 2022. Yeah, last pod of 2022. My favorite pod of 2022. I love every year when we do our We Pod Awards, and that will be tonight our seventh annual episode where we go over our top three of the year i'm so excited and no sam i did not do my top 22 of 22 like i did in 2021 i kept it short and simple this year i just thought you'd be proud uh we are gonna do our top three movies of the year tv shows of the year games of the year albums of the year for me and then other things sam has such as comedy specials pickups Things like that. Just our top threes of the year. And then we cap it off with our top three worst of the year. That's a mix of everything. We don't do top three of each category. For worst, we just do our least favorite things we watched or played or whatever this year. So that's our We Pod Awards. We do them every year. Super duper excited. Last year, we were joined by the esteemed Mike Cassini. This year, Sam and I are riding solo together, which doesn't make a lick of sense. But we still have. A full show for you as well. So before we even get to the awards, we do have our picks of the month, kind of like the what you've been up to segment. We always love that one. We are skipping trivia because we have such a big show. We're skipping a top three because we already have seven of them. (laughs) Like we're giving you so many. Pick pick of the month is the pick of the week. And, and uh, And then we have, no, top three, not pick of the week. And so then we have no spotlight this episode either because, again, huge episode because after our awards wrap up uh sam will take over in gaming we're going to talk about spider-man 2 from insomniac the game awards um xbox and nintendo for spoken we have in the movie section guardians of the galaxy indiana jones 5 this whole mess slash update from the world of dc studios james gunn is firmly in control now i can't remember the other guy peter sarif or something saffron Yeah, they're in control. They are doing their thing, making moves, and being pretty vocal about it on social media. So we got a lot of stories to cover there in TV, God of War, Mandalorian, Yellow Jackets, the Pokemon anime. So tons of stuff to talk about tonight. But let's start where we customarily do. Sam, this past month, what you been up to? Well, I'm getting over being sick. I had the flu for, I think, about a week. Kelly had it a week prior to that. So get we're getting through that. But... Right before that, we did go to the movies, and we did see Violent Night with uh, David Harbour, John Leguizamo, Beverly D'Angelo, and I thought it was pretty damn good. It was a Home Alone meets John Wick. Um, David Harbour basically carries this film, him and his, him in this relationship with this little girl about uh, people coming for money. John Leguizamo is the bad guy. Yeah, it wasn't maybe his better, his best role. It was just carried enough by David Harbour, his charm, the violence. It was produced by David Leach, who, you know, helped direct John Wick and the fight choreography there. So that's where a lot of this comes from. And it is a hard R. This is not for the kiddies. But I I had a blast. An hour and a half went by pretty damn quick. I won't be surprised if they make a sequel. It's good to see on a uh, $20 million budget. They so far made $57.6 million. So it's good to see. You know, these little smaller movies making money, not just the Marvel or DC movies making money. So that's always good to see. Um, We also did finish the show Wednesday on Netflix. 
Um, I'm not going to, I, I feel like people said like, I don't know, I feel like this was like the net, like the next best things and sliced bread. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like reviews on it, like where everyone said it was so good. And I watched it. I thought it was okay. I thought she was good. Um, my boy, uh, Luis Guzman, I, I think that is still a, a miscast as, as uh, Gomez Adams. That's even though he's not in it much, it's just hard for me to look at. Like, I feel like they just per- portrayed Gomez like completely different. I will say Catherine Zeta Jones. I thought she was pretty good as Morticia Adams. But Jenny Ortega, I got to give her credit. I thought she was pretty pretty good as Wednesday Adams. I think she only blinked once or twice in all eight episodes. So that that's pretty impressive in itself. So eight episodes on Netflix, like 45 minutes each episode. I'd, I'd probably watch again for, for season two. I just thought it was pretty good. Um, Right now, me and Kelly are finishing up the first Avatar. She never saw it. So I think we're going to probably finish the, the last part of it tomorrow. Because I'm hopefully going to try to see the Avatar 2, maybe Monday or Tuesday. We'll see if that works out. You know, three hours and ten minutes. I've been hearing great things. I heard, you know, uh, IMAX 3D, that's where you want to go. Dolby, which I'm going to try to see it in the Chamonix. I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll still have some IMAX showings. So hint, um, hint, it's not going to be on our list for movie of the year because yes. neither one of us have seen it yet. So th- there's that. Um, we'll see. Maybe I add it next month or, you know, what have you. But I will have to say congratulations to Argentina for winning the World Cup. That game was insane to watch live. So much emotion. I I thought it was the first half was Argentina all the way. And then the second half, that switch was flipped. And double OT. Mbappe took the game over in the second half. Literally scored three goals. And just the emotion, the double overtime to the penalty kicks. Lionel Messi, I mean, now he literally has everything on his stat sheet, checked all the boxes. Kudos to him and the team for a hell of a game. And that was, you know, I'm sure I made a lot of soccer fans. You know, I, I definitely, I was into it, and I'm not even a huge soccer fan, but I, I'll watch it here and there. But that was phenomenal to watch. Yeah, there's and, almost nothing better than international soccer. Like when it's no. countries playing, it, like the Olympics, the World Cup, so much fun. I grew up an Argentina fan outside the United States, so it's it was nice to see the first time in my lifetime Argentina's won the World Cup. They last won it in nineteen eighty six. So good for them. Yeah, that that was that was freaking electric. And then the follow that with the Eagles game. So it was just it was an emotional day that day. And then we got the Eagles versus Cowgirls game on Christmas Eve. Can't wait for that. And uh that's that's pretty much it for my week. For your month. Still yeah. gotta adjust. Still gotta adjust. For your month. I mean we've I think we last recorded like November, I want to say, I don't know, 25th-ish. So it's been a, just under a month. Um, maybe the 22nd it might have been. I think it was the 22nd. I, I can't recall. Um, but it was enough time for me to beat Scarlet and Violet. So I know that it wasn't. It was sometime after the 18th and then before Thanksgiving, I think. I don't recall. But uh, it's been a crazy month for me, too. I haven't really watched as much new stuff as I thought. I usually go into like November and December. I usually do this grind where I catch up on all the things. You know me. I keep a running list of everything I've watched all year. And I also add to that list things I want to watch, things that would intrigue me. So that way in November and December, I can go back and binge it and see if it'll make my lists at the end of the year or my recommendations. And I didn't really do that this year because I kind of 
this was a kind of a slower year in gaming. So I didn't have a ton of stuff to play. So as things came out, I got to play them. And as things came out in TV and movies, I got to watch them if I wanted to. So I didn't really have a ton to catch up on. So a lot of the things I did this past month were kind of rewatches either for my uh, own just enjoyment or because a new season is coming and I wanted to catch up. So I am in the middle of my rewatch of Friday night lights. Um, I probably watch this show every three or four years. Uh, I love this show so much. Coach Eric Taylor. Uh, God, what a great show. The movie is fantastic, but the show wipes the floor with it. Kyle Chandler, Connie Britton, Zach Guilford, Amy Teagarden, um, Jesse Plemons. I mean, like great cast. If you've never watched it, it does. It's the Dylan Panthers high school football team. Um, five seasons. It's actually kind of short too. Cause they, they used to do this thing and like modern TV shows suck for this reason alone. It's like six to 10 episodes back in our day. A season was like 23 episodes. Uh, the OC Friday night lights, all these great shows. The Sopranos, I think even had somewhere between like 12 and 18. I, I can't recall breaking bad had longer seasons. And so like, I miss that. And now we get like 12 is like, oh my God, what a long show. Uh, just because there's so much shit to watch. But Friday Night Lights starts off in that 22, 23 range. And then by the end, they're at like 12 or 13 for a season. So as the show goes on, a little bit easier for you to watch, a little bit more digestible. It's not as long as you'd think. Um, as a matter of fact, it's only 75, 76 episodes. So in each of them, 45 minutes. So pretty digestible. But I love Friday Night Lights. So I've been doing my rewatch of that. I did a full rewatch of the first season of Yellow Jackets. Uh, I, I, that was probably the least surprising thing ever. I love that show so much. We finally got a release date for season two. I was going to wait to do the rewatch because there's exactly one week when the Last of Us TV show season one ends and Yellow Jackets season two will pick up. And I was going to wait to do my rewatch for that week, but I was getting the itch. I started to go on Reddit a lot more again. And I was like, nah, I just got to go watch it. And so I written, I rewatched Yellow Jackets and it holds up. I, the finale is still six, seven out of ten. It's not my favorite finale, but it does set up season two nicely. Um, I have now hit 106 hours in Scarlet and Violet. Jesus. I know. Uh, I just can't put that game down. Um, it's so good from a shiny perspective, like a shiny hunting perspective. I... Switch between that and PLA. I still am playing Legends Arceus. I'm up to like 200 and I think 15 hours. Um, at the time Nintendo did my year in review, I was at 201 hours and it was my most played game in a year ever since I've had my Switch. Um, I've never played a game 200 hours in a single calendar year. And this time I did. I'm about 215 now. Um, I'm up to 100 and I think it's. 126 uh something give or take a few shinies in pokemon legends arceus there's 242 pokemon so i have over half the decks uh shiny which is awesome i'm, I'm just loving that's that game I found, I found four more shinies in the last 24 hours alone in that game um and then i'll go back to like scarlet and violet and i'll, I'll shiny hunt the shit out of that i already have 61 shinies in that game 61 and i've battled 69 I want to say. And so like, it's wild. I just shiny hunt all day in those games. Whenever I play, <laughs> it's just what I like to do. So at night, uh, my wife will, you know, we'll lay down in bed. We'll watch TV and then she goes to sleep and I'm like, yeah, I'm tired too. Not. 
a nice shiny hunt because every night at midnight, you get four to six more new Pokemon that have outbreaks, which means a shit ton of them are in a certain area. And that's what I go shiny hunt. I shiny hunt my outbreaks. You kill 60 of them and your shiny odds get better. So, uh, and you can auto battle. So killing 60 takes just a few minutes. So I'm all about the shiny hunt in that. Uh, so I'm well over 60 shinies now. Um, I'm over a hundred and some hours and I'm just loving that game so much. I cannot wait for the DLC in 2023. I just can't because it deserves better. So Scarlet and Violet did not make my top three, but, uh, it's right there. Cause it, the fun factor is just so high in that game. And then two more. I, uh, I'll just admit it. I'm back down the Degrassi rabbit hole. Every few years you might do that. Yeah, that's my that's been my shiny hunting background noise. So I've been putting that on on my iPad and putting on my headphones and just doing that while I'm shiny hunting. And that's kind of been like I'm not paying 100 percent attention to it, but it's been great background noise. And the reason I'm doing it is because I found out that one of the actors died uh, and no one knew for five years. He died in 2007 and they didn't realize it until 2012. And I came across this article about that and I was like, wow. And then I saw a deleted scene of his in one of the episodes and I was like, wait a minute. Now this contextually fits so much better. So then I said, you know what? Seasons 10 through 14, I've seen maybe once. I'm a big fan of the earlier stuff. So I said, let me just do a full rewatch of all 14 seasons. So I'm partway through season four. Now I'm back down the Degrassi rabbit hole. And then lastly, Mm -hmm. A new show came out this year. Uh, I've It's eight episodes. I watched it through in like two days because I really enjoyed it. Not enough for it to make my even top 10. I would say it's probably in that 11, 12 range. It narrowly missed what would be my top 10 shows of the year. Apple TV Plus called Five Days at Memorial. Um, this show has it's via it's um, Vera Farmiga. She's from like The Conjuring and stuff like that. Yep. Uh, it is about. Memorial Hospital, which was a hospital, a real life hospital in New Orleans um, when Hurricane Katrina hit. And when Hurricane Katrina hit back in what was that? Oh, five, oh, six, somewhere in there. um, This hospital and it had a smaller hospital inside of it was trying to be a south, like a refugee for some people to come in. But they had lost power due to the flooding and 45 dead bodies were discovered in the, in the chapel of the hospital during the cleanup. And yeah, I know. And Vive, um, Vera Farmiga is Dr. Anna Poe, who is a real life. They used real names and everything. She was a, a surgeon who was attempting to help everybody and without giving spoilers, became the scapegoat for why these 45 people passed away. Uh, a lot of decisions are made amazing special effects. The hurricane was one thing, but the aftermath of the hurricane where the water breached the levees and came in and started to rise and flood New Orleans. And then that got me going through all the rabbit holes of like the 60 minutes that they did on this in real life and other hospitals and nursing homes that had freaking 12 feet of water in there and patients were dying because they're old and they couldn't make it out. The horrors of that. And I was younger when Katrina hit. I didn't realize that I only really thought, oh, you know, the Superdome closed for a while and the Saints didn't get to play. And that was my naivete at that age. But like you think about it now, holy smokes, this show did a really nice job of putting you right in the middle of Hurricane Katrina. So if you're looking for that real like 
it's not a hundred percent, obviously fact, fact, fact. They have to take a few creative liberties, but if you're looking for that biopic, almost, um, real life events, hurricane Katrina hospital patients, all that craziness, five days at Memorial, eight episodes. Um, the first five episodes in particular, uh, because they, they all encapsulate each of the five days, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. And then there's three days of aftermath. So, um, or three episodes of aftermath. So I'd really recommend five days at Memorial on Apple TV plus. So that's, that's probably the shortest picks of the month. Uh, what, what you've been up to or whatever. I'll say one more quick thing that we, I rewatch. Well, we, me and Calgary watched it. Jack Frost, the, not the horror with, version. The one, the one with Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. I love yeah. that. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's definitely a guilty pleasure for me. I, I, I remember seeing the theaters with my dad. But I, I was just like looking at like the um the box office. The budget they said was forty to eighty five million. It only made thirty four. Um, couple things. Henry Rollins is in, and he plays the ice hockey coach, which I didn't know that as a kid. That's great. And Mark Addy is uh his best friend in it. Who's Mark Addy? You might ask. You might add or ask. It's Robert Baratheon from Game of Thrones. As soon as I saw, him, I was like, God, Baratheon! <laughs> it, it was so cool to see him young. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about Michael Keaton's best friend, not the kid. He's in the yep. band with him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, what's his face is in it too. Uh, my God, what's his name? Uh, Taylor something. Taylor something. He plays like the the bully. Bro- I know Paul F. Tompkins is in it. Taylor Handley. He plays Oliver in the OC. He's like a villainy okay. character in the OC. He's in that movie too. Love that movie. Ashley and I, you know, we're a Christmas family. We've had yep. our decorations up since November 1st. We've been watching a Christmas movie almost every day. So yeah, the Jack Frost yeah. is an absolute classic. Yeah, it's the guilty pleasure. I would add, as a part of my what you've been up to, I could tell you every Christmas movie we watched over the last month, but I'll save you all that, and I'll just recommend it. We watch it every year. We kick off our holiday season with Holiday on Netflix, Emma Roberts and some Australian guy, and they date each other only at holidays, so they're not alone. And it's a really funny, cool, just like, I don't know, Chick flick, if you want to call it that, but I, I really enjoy it. We have watched it every year since it came out <clears throat> in 2020, I think. So three years running. It's like the perfect holiday launch movie. Like, let's get into the holiday spirit because it covers yeah. all the holidays. But it's really I and mean, it's focused on Christmas, but really good movie. Um, really raunchy. Don't watch it with children. Um, but yeah, really recommend Holiday. I think I even that was my pick of the year or pick of the week back in 2020 when we first watched it. I, I can almost guarantee it. All right, it's that time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Let's get into our seventh annual We Pod Awards. Sam, you know this is my favorite thing we do every year. It's 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 tough. Like this year, even though I was I wrote everything down like you, I finally listened to you. I made a little list and, and jotted down a few things. I didn't see everything I wanted to, so I'm sure there's a lot of Maybe movies, TV shows, obviously games that I haven't played. But, you know, I, I tried to see what I could. But, you know, it, it was tough. I, I got everything down to three. And um, I'm, it's a little bit all over from the from shows to movies. It, it, it's all over the place. I will say um, that's a really good thing that you uh, point out as, like, things I could have missed. The only thing I thought about this, and as I go through my list, I watched everything I wanted to to be able to count. There was one game that's it 
this whole year that I did not play that I think would have a good shot to at least make a list. And that is stray for the PS five. Oh, the the cat cat game. So like, I think that I would really love it. I didn't play it. So it's not on my list, but don't be surprised if like over the next few months, I eventually talk about it as a game. I really enjoyed, but that's the only thing this year that I didn't get to do that would have qualified everything else. I had a really good year when it comes to seeing things and watching things and listening things that came out. So we're going to go, uh, we're going to start with movies. Then we will do what, what did I have on the rundown? Movies, movies TV, then yeah. TV, then games, then albums for me. Then Sam has a couple of things. I think it's pickups, uh, and comedy specials. Yep. And then, and then we'll do our worst to end it off. And there's two caveats this year. Number one, I have taken the liberty of also trying to guess Sam's list. So I have pre-written out. I'll admit if I'm wrong, I'll admit if I'm right. What I guessed for Sam in each category outside of comedy and pickups, because I would have no idea what they would be. But for the standard TV movies, games and worst, I have uh, I've tried to guess yours in order as well. So I'm going to try to keep a running tally of that. And also because you have a few extras pickups and comedy specials i'm gonna do top five ish i'm not gonna go into the 20s like i did uh previous years but i'm not gonna stop at three i'm gonna give a couple more than three just to make up for the ones that you're doing extra just to give a cup people a few extra recommendations but that's the caveats for this year let's start with movies we'll do our full lists we won't go one to one to one to one sam we'll start with you what are your top movies of the year my number three, uh, again, I'm, I'm all over the place. I feel like there was there was the action, there was the heart, there was the comedy. I, I kind of wanted to touch all the bases. And My number three, I went with Jackass Forever. I, I think it was the best one in, in the series. And you figure th- this film came out February 4th, 2022. Um, you know, it was, you know, we're, everyone was all over the COVID. Everyone was still uptight. People really didn't. We're just maybe going back to the movies or only a few movies that we're going to see. And I just, I just remember like I was laughing so hard, just tears coming out. I was crying. I, I needed this laugh. It was so good to see the whole gang. Yeah. You know, we didn't see Ben Margera and Ryan Dunn. Yeah. There was a little tag at the end. You said, I think there was one clip of, of Bam and you see one little shot of Ryan, but I, I just thought it was so funny just to have all the guys back and, the new, in, the new wave too. Yeah, the, the the new 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 guys, new gals. Dark I'm Shark enjoying. is just he's he's gold. He's well, I mean, gold. I mean, I still say what a day for Danger Aaron's balls. I mean that. I mean he just got pumbled. I mean it, it's got an eighty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes on a ten million dollar budget. It made over eighty million dollars. I'd even recommend Jackass four point five on Netflix. I thought that was funny as well. But the, the movie, I, no. the Jackass four point five thing where they go up into the plane is worth the watch alone. Yeah. Oh my god. It's yeah, just to watch him alone. shake. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it both it both to me are are if you watch these guys if you were like us and you watched you know CKY CKY two K and all them like this is right up your alley. This was one of my favorite comedies hands down. My number two. Let me go make sure I'm on the right project. Did I do it? I went with the Adam Project. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I it's the one that I didn't have a tab open, but I want to open that up. 
but it was the Ryan Reynolds film that came out on Netflix that completely took me by surprise. Directed by Sean Levy, came out March 9th, 2022. And I, it had heart, man. I, I just was not expecting to, to love this movie as much. I just kind of won the movies where I went in literally no expectations and just kind of just I, I just the story hit me. I thought Reynolds was great. Ruffalo was good. Um, Jennifer the, Gardner. Um, Jennifer Gardner. Yeah, she she was good, but uh, Walker Scoble, the twelve year old, the young guy that had a, the actor to be younger Ryan Reynolds. I thought he was great. I thought he was the standout, which is why he probably got the. Ain't he doing another? I can't click on his thing to see what movies he's doing, but I think he's doing something else. Like right after this, that's a pretty big project for him. So I I, I can see that young young kid going places who the young kid in it yeah, yeah. Walker, walker scoble? scoble yeah walker scoble is doing upcoming projects he is doing percy jackson he is percy that's jackson that's it so i high hopes for him I, again i'm a huge fan of the books i read the books so we'll, we'll see what happens there but i don't know i i truly think this was a sleeper hit um it, it, yeah you would think maybe it would be spider-man but i think spider-man felt number four for me overall what spider no way home that came out in December. Oh, it did. Okay, good. So it was I, I didn't count list anyway. last year. It was okay, list. good, perfect. So it was. It, it didn't make this cut for me. So Adam Project, check it out on Netflix. It, it had more heart than I thought it was going to, and I, I actually shed a tear. So I, I wanted to give them kudos there. I am zero for and, two so far. <laughs> from my guesses. Uh, you you came in confident too. I thought when you hear my top three for you, what I thought, which I'll give it after I give mine. I. I was very confident in the movies, but let's hear your number one. Maybe I have it on my list. Now, I, I think you should, because I, I think I spoke so highly of this movie. Top Gun Maverick. Hands down, my favorite movie of the year came out May 27th, 2022. Uh, I mean, this I mean, this had everything uh, from <laughs> to see Cruz back in action to bring on Miles, Miles Teller as um, Rooster's kid. To have um, Val Kilmer's character have his part, Ed Harris, he's always a perfect bad guy. And to kind of come in, you know, I, I, what were people expecting of this movie? Of the first? The first one wasn't even that great of a movie. It, it was just an okay movie, if that. And this, they came in with a $170 million budget and it made $1.488 billion. I mean, I never would have expected this movie to make that much money. I see already um, Teller's, tr he's running around trying to get. The sequel, Top Gun Rooster, off the ground, which, I mean, $1.4 billion, they, they might take a swing, but I thought this was one of Tom Cruise's best performances, hands down. I mean, it, just him and, his, and Val Kilmer's scene alone was was priced to admission to go see this movie, in my opinion. I, I think this was 10 times better than the first one. This, you know, this had everything you could want to me in an action movie. It has 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I freaking loved I had a blast. I'm so glad I got to see it in theaters. Hopefully everyone did too. If not, make sure you pick this one up. Wow. So your movie of the year goes to Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So I did a top five, so not very many. Um, I didn't I didn't feel like I needed to go into the tens or I think I did eleven or twelve last year, but I just went with five this year because there were five films that I just adored over the rest. Not a great year in movies for me, but the ones that made my list completely captivated me and made the year worth it alone. If these five movies only came out this year, you know, I don't need Thor, Doctor Strange or any of that bullshit. 
I would have been happy with these five films. Number five on my list for movie of the year just came out. Very lucky that I got time to go see it. The whale. Mm. Uh, I have been Brendan Fraser. Yeah. I have been waiting on bated breath to see this movie because of the uh, subject matter. And it completely captivated me. There are seven people in this movie. It takes place in one location and it's about the story. It's about the acting. It's about the people. Brendan Fraser, uh, 95% practical effects with his heavy suit. There's some digital touch-ups for wrinkles and things like that, but a very, very, very morbidly obese man trying to reconnect with his long lost daughter. Who's played by Sadie sink, who is, um, what's her face from stranger things, max. So like, star-studded cast albeit very small i don't want to give a single thing away about this movie outside of the fact that it's a very small cast and it takes place in like literally one location uh the whole time so if you're into you know i always have one list or at least one movie on my list that you could consider artsy fartsy whatever whatever this year i just went with what made me happy what was the most fun and i think you'll see that come out on the rest of my list and, but this movie was so damn captivating b- before you continue just while you're touching on the whale i highly recommend everyone go watch brendan fraser and adam sandler on actors on actors they had about a 30 minute discussion about um even airheads was a part of that too it being a conversation with that how he basically said you know you're hiring brendan for this movie or i'm walking and then the whale it was such a great conversation love both actors it's definitely yeah. worth the watch and it's great to see Brendan Fraser back in the limelight. It's yep. so great. He's having that Keanu Reeves-esque renaissance, which is awesome. And I hope that continues for him. Uh, it almost flies under the radar that he's a main character in Doom Patrol. Um, so it's just it, because you never see him. It's only really his voice. So yep. like super, I just fell super in love with the whale. And I kind of knew I was gonna, which is just great. I highly recommend it. Number four. And I'm so glad you said it. Jackass forever. Uh, that was literally, that was on my list until two weeks ago. It was my number three until two weeks ago where something overtook it. Um, but boy, was this the comedy I needed at the right time? I love God. I, I was at my number three for the longest time. I had pray slash Jurassic, uh, jackass forever. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I, I, I just had, I went back to what you said just what made me laugh, what made me happy. And it was that moment. Just, I laughed the entire movie. I had to have it on this list. I'm a huge, just like you, I'm a huge jackass fan. And then like, I I love that dumb comedy where it just, you just sit around and it makes you just laugh so hard. And I laughed at almost every skit, this movie. And I thought it's arguably the best of the four jackass movies. Maybe the first one, because that was jackass in its heyday. Um, but Jackass Forever was this return to form that I just laughed so hard. It is exactly what I needed when I got it. I couldn't recommend it enough. The new cast is really good. Um, obviously, the old cast continues to shine, especially in their older age, seeing the things that they put themselves through. But I, I did enjoy the new the new blood that if we'll say. And then 4.5 just puts that over the top. You know, I love that we get that half step. Um, like six months after release that we can go and see some behind the scenes, some newer skits, some stuff that didn't make the first one a much more relaxed environment. And I just thought the combination of those two things made such a fun viewing experience that it had to make my list at number four. My number three, a very small film that I don't think 
many people know about, number one. And number two, realize that it's based on true a true story, which I also, much like Five Days at Memorial, got sucked into and had to go down the YouTube rabbit hole of all the real life events that happened. And I'm talking about, uh, it's right now on Paramount Plus, I believe. Um, and I think it might have even exclusively streamed there. It, is, it never hit theaters. Brian Cranston and Annette Benning, Jerry and Marge go large. Have you heard of this movie? It came out in like June-ish. Uh, it's, not, it's not ringing a bell. It's, it came out, um, I think, like I said, around June. Um, Rain Wilson is also in it, or whatever his new name is. I can't remember what he changed his, his name to. But Brian Cranston plays Jerry. Annette Benning plays Marge. They're a couple in, uh, I think, Michigan, maybe Ohio, whatever, some small town. And Jerry is a... He works in the movie. He works for like Kellogg's, but in real life, I think he was a teacher, but he's a math whiz. And after he retires, he figures out the lottery. And what he does is he figures out a way to basically bust the odds for the lottery. I won't tell you how, but uh, there's a particular game that actually is real in real life. They even use the real name called windfall where he figured out the odds and a way to beat the system. He goes and he in, invests, we'll say, a large sum and basically becomes a professional lottery player, turns it into a business with his wife, Marge, and they try to save this small town with their winnings. And it's just a super heartfelt, true story. Um, really cool that they, again, use the names. They use the name of the lottery. Uh, game itself really really cool it's not illegal because they they legitimately played it um and they even got like shareholders hey if you invest five hundred dollars you can become a shareholder off of whatever we win and like they rallied a town to try to save this small failing town and it was just a really neat story and then you go and you watch the 60 minutes interviews with them and all this cool stuff about people becoming professional lottery players. It's funny. It's cute. It's charming. It's not super duper long. It was like an hour and a half. Super digestible. It is currently on Paramount Plus, uh, which is where I watched it because that is also where I watched my number two, Top Gun Maverick. Hey, brother, dude, it's a great film. It's, what an expe- what an experience, dude! And did you see? I mean, I know you got a humongous TV, but you didn't see it in theaters, right? No, I watched it on Paramount Plus on my on my TV down in the basement. But like, brother, yep. I don't give a shit about Top Gun, right? Never thought I would. Don't care about the first movie. Saw it so long ago that I don't register a thing. But everybody is raving about this movie. Yep. And I know it's on Paramount Plus. I had the free trial for the for the week or the month or whatever because I wanted to watch uh, Jerry and Marge go large. So I had like two days left. And I'm listening to – and by the way, this is the movie that pushed Jackass forever um, out of the list. And I have like two days left. And I'm listening to The Last of the Nintendogs with our friend of the show, Mike Minotti, and Jeff Grubb. And they are just raving about uh, – Top Gun Maverick. And I was like, all right, that's what's going to push me over the edge. I already know it. So I did. I couldn't look away, brother. I couldn't look away. I was captivated. The visuals, the goofy fun story, the 
sound effects. The, the sound effects rock your face. And so I watched it again on my iPad with headphones like God intended. And my goodness, it was better because of the sound quality, like the little things that you pick up with headphones. It's almost like watching an IMAX. You get all those little jet engine sounds and this and that and the other in your ears. I, I remember that theater was shaking. It I was bet. so loud. Yeah. Oh. You, you know me. I'm not a movie guy. Yeah, it, this, it, it, Top Gun Mavericks, like, I would not think it's up your alley at all. And I'm not, and I don't think you're a huge Tom Cruise guy either. I'm not a big Tom Cruise guy at all. I'm not a movie theater guy. This is the one movie that I did not watch in theaters that I wish I did, that I wish I had the big IMAX with the big sound system, because I bet you my experience would have been yeah, even better. Dude. And you know my, you know my yeah. setup, my setup in my basement's yeah. wild. Yeah. And so like, if they, if, I know they did do a re-release, but if they ever do it again, to try to push them maybe to get over that 1.5 billion hump. Like I would see this again in theaters if if you're down. Like that's how good of a movie it is. That's yeah, why it I, is my number one. I was obsessed with the experience that I got. I thought the story was so silly in like the best way. I don't even have any nitpicks. It was so like just fun and good, and it paid off uh, from the original movie. And to have you know Goose's son and you know Ru- I loved all the call signs. Hangman with the and he had it on the cross's helmet, and the A's were missing. I just love those little touches. Obviously, the scene with Val Kilmer. Obviously, the flashbacks. You could never have seen the first one, and you, it doesn't matter. You you get into it. You know. They give you enough info for you to understand it. They even yeah. show you Goose's death scene. So it's like nothing is a surprise. And I watched it twice in like three days because I was just so obsessed with the experience, and it didn't, uh, it didn't let me down. But it did not hit my number one because my number one favorite movie of the year was a movie I never expected to love as much as I did. But we bragged about it heavy on this show. My friend, my movie of the year is Adam Sandler's Hustle. It's funny. I was like, you're going two ways. You're either going to really surprise us and say Batman or it's going to be Hustle. Hustle was on my short list as well. Yeah. Right. So Hustle, um, Adam Sandler, he's a scout for the Sixers. No, my Philadelphia bias is not present at all. Go back and listen to our episode where we talk about Hustle. I actually thought it was just a legitimately really touching movie. Yep. I thought it it was, while slightly predictable, it was predict- predictable in a good way. Um, it was funny. It, was, it hit all the great notes. It made sense. It told a fun story. Yes, being from Philadelphia and being a fan of the 76ers helps with familiarity of the players and the cameos and also like the, um, uh, uh, like, Philadelphia fans, they're the best in the world. Like we know that they what they were really saying. And it's just it's just fun stuff like that that you don't get if you're from San Diego or whatever. Yeah. Like it really hits home being from Philadelphia. But even removing that bias, I thought it was just a very well-made movie. And arguably my favorite Adam Sandler movie since the 90s. Um, even more than Uncut Gems, even more than Mr. Deeds, which I think was 2000. Um, but like this was a throwback to me of why Adam Sandler has range is a good actor. And I'm excited for what he has coming up. This was just a damn good movie. I liked it a lot. I'm super excited to say that my number one movie of the year was hustle. And here's what I thought yours would be. I thought yours would be number three hustle, number two, top gun Maverick and number one, the Batman. Mm -mm. I I don't think the Batman did not even make, your short list. Yeah. Yeah. Ba- I, I, Batman was probably five or six, if I, if I'm honest. So 
would you say that hustle was above the Batman or below it? Um, cause that's where you had prey at your number four. So I'm assuming that the Batman's probably right there with hustle in that five, six. Yeah, I, I would probably, yeah, I probably enjoyment. I don't know. It, it's, it's two different complete movies. I don't know it, it, if I'm in the sports movie hustle, if I'm in a superhero movie, like the Batman was great, but it's a long movie, but you know, I don't know. So I had Top Gun on my guest list, so I'm going to give myself a half point for that one. I had it at your number two spot. It was your number one spot. It was my number two. Both of our, well, it was in my guesses, both of our number twos. What a great movie. If you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, again, Paramount Plus, you can go watch it whenever you'd like. Uh, Highly recommended. It's a really good movie. Let's move into TV. Our We Pod Awards for the best TV shows of the year. You go ahead and start. All right. My number three, uh, I wasn't expecting much on this show, but it, it just, it just, it hit me. The Bear on FX. Our boy, Jeremy Allen White. I, again, I, I saw everyone raving about this show. It's like, yeah, I've watched, I've been watching this guy since Shameless. I know all of the lip. Great, great actor. I loved him. Of course, I'm going to watch it. Oh, it was premiered on well, FX and Hulu. Um, and then I, I just, let me, let me jump in. I didn't know. I know it's about Italian beef sandwich shop. That's all I knew. Then you come to find out that bam, the shop, his brother commits suicide. He leaves behind debt, a kitchen and, you know, his character, Carmi comes from a, you know, he's like one of the best chefs ever a cuisine shop. And he comes, moves to Chicago to basically take the shop for his brother. And it just throws you right into it. You know, I may have not worked in a diner. But I did work a little, you know, fast food at Subway, so I understand of work what's like what it's like working with the public, and sometimes you're, you know, you're dealing with the savages, and work gets hectic. But I still say episode seven review. I, the whole episode was a panic attack. I was freaking out. I was on the edge of my seat. It made you uncomfortable. I, I, I just got sucked in, and I wanted to binge every single episode. I think me and Kelly finished the show in like four days, even though it's only eight episodes. It's got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. This show's phenomenal. It, it it got signed for season two. I like every everyone in the cast is great. Even the one actor, um, it's Eben Moss. He was actually in uh, the Star Wars Andor series. He's he's fantastic as the manager of the restaurant. I cannot recommend this show enough. There's some cameos in here. I don't even want to spoil it. If you have Hulu, you have to check out The Bear. Number two, another show I, I, I jumped in when it when it came out, um, when it dropped. It dropped in February 4th. I, I, I never read the book series. I, I like the actor that was attached to it, and I jumped in, just didn't expect to like it that much. I went with Reacher on Amazon Prime. I did not expect to like this show as much as I did. Yeah, Tom Cruise did two Reacher movies. That the first one was okay, but he wasn't Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher's like a six five dude, strong as shit. Tom Cruise is like five seven. It it just didn't work. To have Alan Richardson come in here as as, as Reacher. Um, you may know him as from Hawk and Dove on Titans. He was Aquaman on Smallville. And I just think he plays this role. He's he's a he's a monster. You look at him, you could be the Hulk. He's like that freaking big. This show had ever, this has the action, crime, detective, the thriller. It's based off Jack Reacher novels from Lee Child. I believe the first season was based off this book, Killing Floor. They're filming season two right now. 
I think it's his next book that was called Bad Luck and Trouble. I never read the books, but it actually has me interested. Possibly, maybe do I do read these books? I hear they're phenomenal. I think there's 10 or 11 out, if I'm not mistaken. But Amazon Prime, there are so many good shows there. I've, I've liked Alan Richardson for years. It's finally good to see that he's getting the love that he deserves for Reacher. That I haven't heard a bad thing about this show. And this has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm glad it wasn't just me that loved Reachers. Make sure you check that out on Amazon Prime. And my number one TV show of 2022. I, I it, it was tough, but I, I had to do it. I, there's, there's no way I could not have chosen Better Call Saul. I got that one. This, this is the show that you know who who knew that we were ever going to get a spinoff of Better Call Saul that this was the show that we were, that was going to follow Breaking Bad that we're going to follow Bob Odenkirk's character and they they put us on an adventure for what was that six seasons we got out of this 13 episodes for the final season and I kind of I, I just I want to bring it to the first half of the episodes because Yes, just the first they, half were markedly better than the, the finale. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. But where they had me at that first season, I was I, they, I was eating out of the palm of their hands. Just the way they set up my boy Nacho's story, the way they, the way they 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 just wove into everything of, of Gus Fringle, of Lalo Salamanca, of Howard Howard Hamlin, how everyone's story was connected. Yeah, maybe the ending didn't might have worked out the way I had in my head or the way I wanted to, but. The way they set up, I still say Lalo Salmanca is one of the, the baddest villains TV ever. Like, to me, he goes in, like, the top ten of bad guys. He stole it for me. And and and, and Michael Mando is Nacho Varga. Kudos to them, too. Of course, Patrick Fabian is Howard Hamlin. They, they were fantastic. Their storylines alone, their episodes, I will always watch them. They were seriously phenomenal. I couldn't take my eyes off it. And, of, of course, to the king, Bob Odenkirk. Masterful performance, Jimmy McGill, Saul Goodman. We watched him, I feel like, for the last 20 years. I feel like we've been watching this guy. And I, I, I thought he was brilliant. Of course, Ray Seahorn, Jonathan Banks, just just across, you know, across all the T's, dot all the I's. Every, everyone was phenomenal. Um, the, the cameos in it to see Cranston again, Aaron Paul, for the moment we did, it was just for the little moments we got him, I, I loved it. I loved to be back in there. I, I don't think we're ever going to be back. I think that was it. I don't think we're going to get any more side movies. I, I hope that's it for a while because I, I just feel like they, from that, to have one show to be excellent, now to have two shows, Vince Gilligan and, um, who's the other guy? I'll make sure I get everybody. Vince Gilligan, Peter, Peter Gold, Gold they, they're masterful. These two, give give them all the awards. Give them all the shows. I will watch whatever they make next. They, they made me a fan forever. So if, if you watch breaking bad you owe yourself to watch better call Saul. well they didn't give them the awards and that was the problem yeah that sucked but um yeah i mean you know what's crazy is we are going to be done for a while with this universe because vince is making that new show for apple tv plus i want to say but he's with making Horn, yeah yeah so that universe is going to be done for at least a while um and bob Good. ain't getting any it. younger and neither <laughs> is uh what's his face that plays mike garman trout can't remember his name um, same with even Giancarlo Esposito. So I have Jonathan a feeling, Banks, yeah. yeah, Jonathan Banks. Thank you. That this this universe is done, and I'd be very happy with that. I did have that as my number one for your my guess for you. I went zero for two on the other ones, 
uh, which I'm actually really surprised based on your reactions to uh, to them in the in the beginning of the year or as they happen this year. So I'll give you my guesses for what I thought you would say when I'm done mine. I'm going with 10 TV shows, but I'm going to go really quick for the first few and then I'll stop at my number three. Uh, number 10, The Boys Season 3. I just thought it was a really good comeback after what I thought Season 2 was a little bit of a letdown. Season 3 brought the craziness, the zaniness. Um, I loved Jensen Ackles. Um, what was his name in the show again? I'm so sorry. Soldier uh, Boy. Soldier Boy. Thank you. Love that. Fantastic. And that termite scene. Mwah, loved Great. it. One of the best scenes of the year. Number nine, Only Murders in the Building Season 2. It would have been much higher on my list had they not had those two or three episodes in the middle of the season all about Bunny that really dragged. But once the murder mystery picked back up and then the Paul Rudd stuff at the end, getting ready for season three was just fantastic. Uh, my number eight, Peacemaker. Never mm. thought I'd love this show as much as I did. Still, still, even the whole year later, I'm convinced that episode one was one of the best series premieres. I've ever seen in any show. You want to talk about a series premiere that just hooks you. I'm in on Peacemaker. Loved it. Number seven. Uh, at one point, this was my number one, but it was because it came out in February. And as things came out, it kind of just gradually made its way down the list, but still highly recommended. Amazon Prime. It's called As We See It. I can't remember her name. It's Kevin Bacon's daughter, I believe. Um, she was in Smile, too. Um she is a caregiver slash uh, chaperone, if you will, for four twenty-somethings all on the spectrum, and it's their way of navigating their four stories through life, living in the big city while on the spectrum. It tells four different stories plus hers, so five really interesting stories, and I think only eight or ten episodes. I can't recall, but they're all available now. Amazon Prime like that a lot. Number six. Another return to glory, if you will, after a really rough season two. I've gushed about this show, Apple TV Plus. It's called Trying. Um, season three was just mwah, chef's kiss. It was a return to form, hilarious, heartwarming. Sh you, you shed tears, especially if you're a mama or papa or expecting or trying to have kids. And it's all about... Um, Adoption because this two cup this couple Jason Nikki cannot have children and they try to adopt and the system and all the goods and bads and it was just great after season two I really thought fell off season three right back on track number five House of the Dragon uh, it just felt really good to be back in <clears throat> Westeros back in the George R R Martin uh, uh, ethos back in that world and I really think that this show we haven't seen the best. I think that's why it's only number five. This was good. Sir Kristen Cole sucks. His storyline blows. Made no sense. But the rest of it felt really good and set up what I believe, unfortunately, probably 2024, to be an excellent second, third, and even fourth season. I really wish Crab Feeder was still in it and was a bigger main villain. And I wish Kristen Cole just dies and we never see him again. But unfortunately, neither of those things are true. They were the big misses for me in the season. But I really believe now with this civil war really starting to take shape, House of the Dragon, after a very, very, very good first season, is in for a great future. Number four, I won't even add to it. You've nailed it. 
Better Call Saul's final season was everything you wanted it to be outside of the last three episodes. And that's the only reason it's not number one for me. I didn't think the ending was very satisfying. I didn't love the Gene stuff. The rewatches are very hard. Very hard for me to rewatch, especially episode, I think, 10, where Gene and the two guys set up the mall heist. And that's all they do the whole episode. And it's like, that was your third fine to final episode ever. Was that that you, you're not giving us. And so, and I really wish they would have at some point switched it to color. My goodness. So the rewatches were just really difficult for me, but that first half of the season was some of the best television ever made the episode three with Nacho episode, I believe six or seven with Patrick Fabian and Lalo Salamanca in the apartment was so gripping. I lost my breath multiple times, multiple times watching that season. Number three, the bear. Uh, God, you want to talk about a phenomenal show, a show. Like you said, it just goes. There is literally one scene that begins the, uh, the, the show one scene that lasts all of 30 seconds of setup and the rest you're just dropped in and they just go and they don't stop. I finished it in a day. It was so good. I made Ashley watched it. We finished it in two days and it was just, it was even better. That second rewatch episode seven to Sam's point, the big one that has everybody, uh, all their panties in a bunch. It's fantastic because they don't cut. There are no cuts the whole episode. That's why it's only 20 minutes is because it they did one damn shot and the performances were just so good and gripping. I never thought a show about uh, a, a curbside eatery, basically, a, a, like you said, an Italian beef shop could be so thrilling and they've pulled it off. I'm so excited for the future of that series. Number two, and here two two that you did not have on your list. So my number two show of the year, never thought it would be this high. But boy, do I just keep thinking about it and how much I loved it. And I believe they're setting themselves up or did already for a season two uh, coming next year. Yeah, it is signed and and ready to rock for season two. Winning time on HBO, the Lakers show. Mm, I didn't see that one yet. Oh, my God. It is so good. John C. Riley is Jerry Buss. Quincy Isaiah is Magic Johnson. Jason Clark is Jerry West is in it. Um Oh man, what Brett Cullen is Bill Sharman and what is her name? Oh gosh. Uh, uh Sally Field. Thank you. As uh well, not thank you. Thank you IMDb. Sally Field as Jerry Buss's mother. Oh my god. Just the formation of the Laker dynasty and the craziness of going through coaches and Jerry West's kind of rise and fall and Kareem is in it and oh my god, man. It, from a entertainment factor there was one dud episode in the entire 10 season or 10 episode season one dud and i think it was episode three i didn't like but everything else was great we're going to be getting more this year i'm so psyched on it winning time if you like sports if you like biopics to an extent i mean obviously there's some big creative liberties but i mean it's all really happened so winning time hbo you can watch on hbo max as well fantastic and number one should be no surprise to anybody who's ever met me another return to form after i thought season two was good and it made a list of mine last year it didn't make it super duper high where i thought season three started insane ended insane for all mankind season three brought it to a new level it was a little sillier this season 
but there were some very impactful deaths. There were some very impactful uh, uh, consequences, circumstances, and set up a pretty wacky season four that I didn't expect that I'm very excited for in this alternate universe where the Russians beat the Americans to the moon. And now they're in a space race three ways to Mars that it's wacky. It's wild. It's insane. And uh, from episode one of the season punches you in the face. Could not recommend it enough. My favorite show of 2022 was season three of for all mankind, which I personally believe is the best show currently on television, followed by Yellow Jackets and The Bear and Winning Time. So uh, with that, let's turn it over. Oh, by the way, your guesses. I thought your number three would be The Boys, number two, Peacemaker, and number one, Better Call Saul. That was my guess. One out of three, ain't bad. That's right. So far, I have one out of three on each list. However, I believe in gaming, based on the amount that you gain, (laughs) I think I've gotten at least two, potentially all three. Sam, what were your games of the year. Yeah, mathematically, I, I think you have my games. Uh, yeah, I, I there's only I four or five I think I played all year, so yeah, the chances are in your favor. I think I've gotten this, but let's let's figure it out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you'll number three is the Last of Us Remastered. All right, I've gotten that. <laughs> I mean, that again, there, I mean, there was no surprise that we were going to love it. I was already getting the itch to play the game again, and I'm, I'm actually starting to get the itch again to play it again just because the show is three weeks away. I'm hold I'm off itching. and wait for that show. You're, you're but just I, I may, I may go back and play it on maybe grounded. So, I, so I maybe I have all my other stuff. So maybe I have like a little bit of an advantage. I don't know. Maybe I'll get my ass kicked. Who knows? But I, I thought the game was fantastic. I'm just now looking like overall, The Last of Us from like all releases has sold over 20 million copies, which that's pretty pretty good. Remastered, I see Game Informer 10 out of 10, IGN 10 out of 10, Metacritic 95 out of 100. I, I thought the game was fantastic. It played great. I loved it. I loved the world. It was beautiful. What, what more could you say about Last of Us? My number two. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. Got that one too. I mean, it, it, I mean they clearly, I, I where we stand where I was with the other one. But I this, went three. I know we all know you're number one. So I went three for three in order yeah. for gaming. Yep. I'm very happy yeah. with that. And again, I go back to, you said fun. I had a lot of fun playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. I love playing the different characters. I loved playing the multiplayer. Yeah, game was a little short. If it was a little longer, I wouldn't have been mad at it. But it did feel good that you, you I feel like you could sit down and beat this game in one sitting, no problem. Um, you got that, was it the last uh, mission? You get the Ghostface Killer and the Raekwon song. I thought that was a nice touch. I wasn't expecting that. Um, Some unlockable characters, which is yeah. nice to see in this day and age. Yeah, I mean, you know, Casey Jones, once you unlock him, of course, you had to just play the game again and beat it him real fast because that's what you had to do. That's what you um, have to do. It's a, it's a yeah. written rule. Yeah, Your game gets deleted it, if you don't. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just looking at re- reception. I see some 9 out of 10, 79 out of 100, 9 out of 10, 7.5 out of 10, PS4, Metacritic, 86 out of 100. And I think that's probably where I'm at. About 8.5, 9 out of 10. I just had so much fun. It just reminds me of being the kid, playing the arcade games playing your favorite turtle. So I think there was only two bosses that were actually hard. Everything else was, was very easy. I had so much fun. I w- I'll definitely be playing this again. And number one, no surprise, God of War Ragnarok. You know, I think I put 46 hours, I think I have into the game. 
uh, Santa Monica, they did it again. Um, you know, when you think, you know, no, they can't top that boulder battle. Ah, they do with Thor right in the beginning. You, they don't waste any time. You get a, a, an amazing three part battle. Visually, it's beautiful. It, you know, um, what, what's his name? Christopher Judge. He won best performance. It got award won best audio design, best score and music by Barry McCreary, best narrative, best action adventure game, innovation, acceptability. It won like everything but game of the year. And I think rightfully so. I, I think Elden Ring deserves it. Um, not saying this game's, I don't think any, we always say no game is ever a perfect game. There's always going to be a few nitpicks and there, there was, there was probably no, nothing that, you know, this, this game is no different. You had either, either way you're a winner, whether you prefer Elden Ring or God of War, you can't go wrong either way. Yeah. They're, they're both fantastic games. Um, I wouldn't fault you if Elden Ring was, or if Ragnarok was, how could you not say they're both, you know, but Elden Ring, not my style. So yeah. it didn't even make my list, even though I only played it for like three hours. I just never fell in love with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at sales. I don't see anything else updating since the, the history. Sony song. only does it like annually. Yeah. When they do their, their like reporting out there. Uh, yeah, because all I see is the 5.1 million in the first week. So that's all we have. I'm sure they'll update and say, hey, we sold 10, we sold 12, 15, whatever it is. I'm sure we'll get that soon. But again, it's got 94 out of 100 on Metacritic, 10 out of 10 on IGN, 9 out of 10 GameSpot, 9.5 Game Informer. And I think I'm there. I'm at a 9.5, 10. I had a blast. I played the weapons. I got everything I could out of the story. Got both end credits. I, I completed my journey. And I now I just patiently wait for will we get that third continuation. But I won't expect that game for another five, six years. Yeah, I mean, and then you have the, we'll talk about it later, but the God of War TV series is coming, yeah. so you will have your palate quenched eventually. So yeah, I actually had all three of your games in order, so pat on the back, but at the same time, process was elimination. Yeah, it was really just the order, but the order was kind of simple. I didn't think you'd put a 10-year-old game as above... TMNT. And, and, and that's exactly why it was. I can't put it's exit why it was an automatic three. Yeah. The third time that game released in nine years. Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't think we could do that justice, but um, it, all three of your games made my list as well. And I'm only doing seven games. You think I'd go heavier. <laughs> no, I'm only going to do my top seven because these are the games I truly loved uh, this year. There were games that I played this year that came out that I enjoyed that I liked, but I just couldn't get there in terms of saying, oh yeah, this one absolutely made my list. Example being um, like Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Fun game, but not for me. And then there's another one that actually will make a different list of mine, unfortunately, that I'll talk about. But my number seven was The Last of Us Part One. Um, I thought the visual improvements and even some of the dual sense things, even though at, at minimum, they were kind of minimal, I should say, but fun, super fun. Great to be back in that world. I wanted to get through it before the TV series, and I'm happy that I did for the visuals and the audio alone. And I'm very excited to see the differences. And I'm very excited for, we'll say Sarah, because I feel like she's going to get a much bigger story in the show. I feel like they're going to even maybe even have it go even past the first episode. They might do a lot of backstory to build that up before uh, the events that un occur on we'll call it d-day with sarah and joel so really really love that my number six is your number two tmnt shredder's revenge i love beat-em-ups streets of rage 4 is a damn masterpiece 
This game somehow one-ups that, and I don't even think that was possible. Uh, the fighting was crisp and clean. The um, little side missions that they give you, you know, find this, collect this, do this. Loved that, that it gave you something to do besides slam buttons. Um, unlocking Casey Jones and replaying it. Multiplayer. It was great on that game. Um, outside of the little bit of a uh, exploit, we'll say, that people were taking advantage of every time. But, you know, the taunt and get your power back, whatever. Yep. But loved it. Um, played it on every difficulty level and it was so hard on hard by yourself. I actually didn't even beat it. Um, and I canceled game pass, so I can't, I'm not going to be able to beat it for quite a while till Goldeneye and Starfield come out and then I'll re get game pass when it's a little bit more worth it. Um, oh, and another game I wanted to play besides stray high on life. I did not get to play that yet, but I will uh, eventually when I get game pass back my number five. Uh, actually just got a text yesterday from a friend saying, Hey, I really want to get back into this game. And I was like, you should, it was fucking fantastic. 20, 20 of the best hours I spent this year in Coromon, um, the Pokemon like game. It's very much like gen three Ruby Sapphire graphics feels like you're playing a game boy advanced game. Um, it's a monster taming game where you go around, you collect monsters, of different types, just like Pokemon, and you go through. There aren't badges, though. There are actually just you go to places and you beat the boss. And I loved that. It was a different uh, take on it. And it had difficulty options. And it had all the things that I want Pokemon to have that it doesn't. This game did. And the monster designs are great. The evolutions are really fun. Um, I love that there are shiny variants, but there are also different power variants that you can find in the world. And they're a slightly different color. And I, I just thought that all of that was really fun. The starters were great. A shark, a polar bear, like those are the starters I want. Not two cats in three generations. Um, and like, it's not water, fire, grass for the starters. One of the starter choices is ice. And I love ice types. So I picked the ice starter even over my shark, which is crazy because sharks are my favorite animal. But like, I loved Coromon. If you love the old school Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3, Gen 4, Gen 5 even Pokemon games, those sprite-based, beautiful games, you want one in HD for your Switch, Coromon is fantastic. My number four is Scarlet and Violet, particularly Violet. I already went through my picks of the month and last episode as to why, so I'll just leave it at that. The performance, I'm taking down a notch from a 5 out of 10 to a 4. It is so rough, but it is so fun. It is so fun. It's the most fun I've ever had playing a mainline, mainline Pokemon game with the best story Pokemon's ever told that it's undeniably great. It's just, it just runs so piss poorly that I just can't have it in that top three kind of echelon but if you want to talk about the most fun i've had this is up there all all day it's so much fun my number three mario plus rabbits sparks of hope again i've just recently spoken about why i love this game it took everything i loved about kingdom battle improved on it improved on it and it took a 10 out of 10 game and made it an 11 and that's very difficult to do my number two did that as well uh but i, I went back and forth back and forth back and forth do I make this three or do I make this two at the end of the day, even though I have a pretty big problem with my number two, uh, it's just, man, 
I'm almost a damn masterpiece. So as I live and breathe, my number three, Mario plus rabbit sparks of hope. My number two, God of war, Ragnarok. Mm. Uh, I fucking hate playing as Atreus. That is stamped. <laughs> I fucking hate it. It's my first F bomb of the episode. I waited over an hour. I hated it. It was such a slog. I can't stand it. It was fine the first time, but when I had to get on the back of that stupid mammal thing, Jara or Hara or Yara, whatever it was, and collect fruit. Oh my God. Can we go slower? Can this thing control any worse? I hated that section in that forest. It was so boring that it took me out of the game for a month. I did not play it for a month from November 17th till December 17th. I didn't touch it. I didn't turn on my PS five, but I got to, I got to a point in Scarlet and Violet that I was like, all right, I I've I'm good. I don't have to play this every single day. Let me go back to Ragnarok really get some good. And of course the second I turn it on, there's still one more thing I had to do with Atreus. That's when I turned it off in the middle of the, that mission. I was like, Oh my God, I'm not done. Fuck. (laughs) Like how many times do I have to sit down at a dinner table? So that's like my one big story gripe is that that game could be 10 hours shorter, but it's a visual masterpiece. The story is impeccable. Christopher judge as Kratos is just one of the most captivating performances ever. And to have that Thor fight and I'll plural, I'll pluralize it. The Thor fights are so good that I didn't know, just like you said, it could get better than the boulder fights, but it did. It's very samey. It's still very samey. Like the story beats are very similar to 2018. But because they are just better, flat out taken up a notch like Emerald Lagasse, I found myself just loving it. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man in 2018 beat God of War for me in 2018, even with the MJ stuff. So I had to think about that. Like, I hated those MJ parts so much, but I loved the rest so much that it was my game of the year. Same here. I hated the Atreus sections, but I loved the Kratos stuff so darn much that it did overtake Sparks of Hope and landed in the number two spot. And number one, I've said it all year. It should be no surprise. It never was going to change. The most fun I've had in a video game, I don't know. I, I can't tell you in how long. Years and years. I would probably say since Pokemon X and Y when I finally played a 3D one. I haven't had this much fun. This game was so fun. And I'm talking about Pokemon legends, Arceus. Uh, It still holds up. It is still fun. It took me, it took some people 20 hours to beat. It took some people 40. It took some people 60. It's really whatever you wanted to do. I did so much of the side stuff and took my time so much. I didn't roll credits until 108 hours. God damn. And that's because that's what I wanted. I wanted to do everything and catch everything and take my damn time and do every side mission and not look anything up. I found all 108 wisps. I found all 28 unknown without a guide. And it's like, that's what it's all about. Exploration and the catching mechanics were so much fun instead of like sword or not sword and shield. Scarlet and Violet take points away because it slows that back down to the old school way of running into something, engaging in a battle. 
where Pokemon, you just fucking aim and fire and you can catch 10 things in that game in the time it takes you to battle one in a main game. And that's just, it's just so different. It was such a necessary and welcomed side thing that I truly hope we get more Legends games in the future while we're waiting for a new gen. It was a perfect spinoff at the perfect time. 10 out of 10, Pokemon Legends Arceus was so much fun and such a dish, like it made the things it did to improve Pokemon forever. Changing your moves on the fly now. You don't have to go to the Pokemon Center or the Move Tutor. You just hit A and you can change your moves right there uh, to evolving whenever you want. It just notifies you, hey, this Pokemon is able to evolve. You can do it when you want. You don't have to do it every single level. It goes into the animation and you have to hit B if you don't want to do it. You just do it when you're ready. And that's amazing. And the strong style, the agile style, the battle stuff where you just do it right there. You battle where you stand. There were so many quality of life improvements. The backstrikes, the different balls, the the going through the grass, the shiny hunting was mwah, loved it. I have 120 something shinies in that game. God damn. What an experience. Pokemon Legends Arceus, my game of the year. Before I do albums, Sam, you have a couple of like spinoff categories almost with your pickups and your uh your comedy special so i'm gonna let you go into both of those uh before i go into albums and then we'll hit worst so go ahead my friend you can go into your spinoff categories my number three for top stand-up specials of the year i'm gonna leave out um joey diaz just because i saw him live even though that probably would be number one i just i left it out again anytime you can see joey diaz live see him lisa at also funny shit i was shocked but my number three, not your favorite, but it was Sebastian Maniscalco's Is It Me? I thought it was 10 times better than his last one, Stay Hungry, which was that was the first one he did on Netflix. <clears throat> but Is It Me? I thought it was a little bit more to his form, kind of going back again more towards his father and now that he has kids. And I feel like it, a lot of his act is like stuff that I actually like heard like. I guess it started on like a story or something on like his Instagram and then he fleshed it out and it came more of a joke and part of his special. I thought it was good. I did enjoy it. Again, maybe if you're an Italian, maybe you laugh a little bit more. Maybe you have family that's actually like that. I don't know. But I know I was talking to our buddy Nick Murphy about it. Me and him were cracking up on it. So is it me? It's on Netflix. It's not his best, but it's definitely not his worst. Number two. Aren't you embarrassed is still a peak. Yep. Yep. special never to it's, it's still the chipotle bit is still like my favorite bit it's the best bit he's ever done it's, it's uh yeah it's, it's gold. gold it's a that's a special special yeah that, if, if you haven't seen 2014's aren't you embarrassed watch that one first because that that's pure gold yeah that's what got us into sebastian or at least me yeah I, I would agree with that that was the that was the first like major bit that i saw him that i i literally cried no, number two i went with our boy old billy burr Live at Red Rocks again for him. I feel like a lot of his newer stuff. I Bill Burr's always going to have a joke or two. It's always going to be there, but I don't think it wasn't hitting as hard for me. I don't know what it was. What it what it was. Um, I thought Paper Tiger was just okay. Was that the black Walker, and white one? I was that. That might that might have been black. What Walker Whale was. Eh, but it wasn't as like I don't know. 
Like you people are all the same. I, I thought that was funny as 2012 special. But live at the Red Rocks, beautiful Colorado. But I, I thought it was he was I don't know. It felt like it was more Bill's form. Like he he was just you know again it was COVID. He just kind of came out swinging I, again. Bill Burr he never he never disappoints because I don't listen to his podcast as much anymore. So I really don't listen to that at all. I don't think I listened at all all year. So it was like to hear him, like I, I, it was like all new to me. So it's like usually when you listen to community, if you listen to their podcasts, like Joey, a lot, some of his bits I hear, I hear in his podcast. So Bill Burr kind of was all new and I really enjoyed that. But my number one, I, I think I saw it last month. I got to give it up to Dion Cole. Uh, he, he dropped a special on Netflix. It's called Charlene's Boy. Uh, Charlene was his mom's, his mom's name. His mom actually passed away one year ago the day that he actually performed the special. Yeah, he gave a nice tribute at the end. I thought it was very sweet. But just Deion Cole, there's something about him. He always does these bits where he has like a note card and see if it works or not. And it's like he's writing like add-ons on, I don't know, for whatever reason, that gets me every damn time. And I cried for 45 minutes straight. Deion Cole, um, I, I don't know what, it, I think he's on the, with that one show with Anthony Anderson. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. But I know, like, that's kind of what people may know him for. But I just, I feel like I only see, he pops up in movies here and there. Blackish, that's that show. Um, I know he was in that. But I don't know, for stand-up, I, I think he's funny as shit. And hearing, like, a lot of other podcast people, like, they, they think he's, he's cool as shit. He's down to earth. It's always good to hear, like, other comedians that they say, like, the guy's funny. He's not just, like, an asshole. So if you have uh, 45 minutes, Dion Cole special, Charlene's Boy on Netflix. And since I don't have anything for, for music, I just kind of threw one because I know I did it last year, like my top three pickups of the year. Um, surprisingly, there are no comics this year. No favorite comic book pickups. Like I said, I completed my Batman uh, 2 through 11 run. I believe I picked, finished that up last year. And, you know, a lot of the comics I want now are super expensive. So, you know, I'd always say, like, Sam, what do you get next? Like, I, I don't really have anything on the like on, on my mind because everything is, is so much damn money. If I want a book, I'm going to have to save up for like five years to get it. So right now, there is no major book. But <clears throat> 2022, three favorite pickups. My number three, I'm going with my Mickey Mantle signed baseball. I actually got that from a buddy from work. Uh, Mickey Mantle's like one of my favorite baseball players of all time. Growing up, you know, my dad was you know born in the 40s. So I was growing up knowing the old stuff, watching the old home run derbies before school. Of, you know, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays. All them guys, I used to watch all them home run derbies. And I still say Mickey Mantle was the best switch hitter ever in baseball. If he took care of himself, had a better manager, didn't drink, and I swear he would probably have all the records, not just 536 homers. And he would he would still have over a career 300 above batting average if he didn't just, like I said, party and just drink himself too an early grade. But Mickey Mantle signed ball, happy to have it in my collection. My number two... I I looked for years. I never thought I'd actually find it, but I have a backyard baseball sealed big box for PC. That's something I know a game that me and you grew up playing from '97 when it first came out. Re freaking religiously and and backyard football. Yeah, and but baseball was the one that started all the big big box. I had it as a kid, but obviously you know that shredded trash. God knows where. And I looked for years to find it, and one popped up and. It, it just, you know, being at the right place at the right time, and I was able to get it. Had like a little piece of like a, um, it was like a, like a, a paste sticker on it. I bought some, uh, 
goo gone and I wind up peeling it off, cleaned it up a little bit. It looks beautiful. It's sealed. I wrapped up in bubble wrap. I don't want nothing to happen to it. So whenever, you know, water or something like that, when they get new cases and when they eventually do um, accept PC games, I will send it there. I could send it to VGA, but I'm not. I want to keep everything kind of under one grading company. And my number one, another huge gaming box I picked up was my Command and Conquer Yuri's Revenge Red Alert 2 sealed big box. This was, we had our, our friend of the show, John DeCrosta. He played a multitude of voices on that show. Um, this was the game that I, I can, can't tell you how many hours that I logged on to playing this game. Again, just like Backyard Baseball, I searched and searched, hunted. I remember I even talked with, um, what's his name? Um, I've drawn a blank of freaking the Wada's founder's name. Uh, Dennis Khan. Me and him were both, he, again, the guy who has basically everything, he still doesn't even have a sealed copy of this big box. And I know when he found it, he was like, dude, I am so jealous. I can't believe you found it. And, you know, to know, like, to know, again, the, the person knowing how long you've been looking, he's been looking to finally found it. It's always good when, like, that person gets their grail. It's such a good feeling. And I saw one recently um, popped up on eBay. It was signed by a lot of people of the game, uh, the, uh, the game development team. Live, it was signed all on the cover. I think it sold for, like, I think it was, like, 900 bucks. So whoever got that, kudos. But I, I'm so happy with mine. 2022, we made the made the best of it, and uh, we'll see what 2023 brings uh, for next year. So I'm going to go into album of the year for me, and then we'll do our worst list, which I always get a kick out of. My number three for album of the year, and this was pretty chalk. I tried my damn best to like branch out and add some other things, but at the end of the day, going back to it. The three that I thought, if you asked me in January, would have been there, are there. I mean, like there were some heavy, there were some heavy hitters this year, but just nothing hit me as hard as my number three, being a will away stew. Mm. Uh, I thought every track they came out with before the record dropped was awesome, from re up to karma. Uh, all of it, and so loved it. And then the record comes out, and the rock is track number one and it's like a top three, a will away song of all time for me. And and so it was not only the tracks that they released beforehand, but when they came out, there were tracks I hadn't heard yet that I just fell in love with. So stew by a will away. Number two should be no shock to you. The early November 20. Mm. Um, what a great record because it was some remasters, if you will, or some re-recordings of some of our favorite old the early November songs with some B sides mixed in from Lilac and um, even uh, the room's too cold with Dennett and all, all this great stuff. But 5 a.m. on a Sunday still stands out as one of my favorite songs of 2022. So uh, loved 20 by our, my favorite band of all time, the early November. But as soon as I heard this record, I knew it was going to be my number one. It is still my number one, much like games. This was kind of chalk all year. Jackpot Juicer from Dance Gavin Dance. Mm. It's their best record. Maybe ever, but definitely since Mothership. Um, Mothership's a damn masterpiece. And this ain't that far behind from um, Ember to Feels Bad Man, which might be my favorite song on the record, even though it is a single. And I think it even got a uh, a music video. But like top to bottom, what an amazing record. And also, not only that, but like 
it's so big. It's so long. I never thought that in 2022, we'd get like an 18 track record. Um, it's fantastic. And like, they're all so good. Cream of the crop is great. Synergy is great. Holy ghost spirit for the jeers. Ember pop off is great. Feels bad, man. Might be my favorite. Uh, polka dot Dobbins is fantastic. Long nights in jail. And I want to say that I think that the band had a really made a really big stride this year. Unfortunately, their bass player, Tim passed away, um, which we believe was an overdose, but won't speculate too hard. But right after that, their lead singer, they have two singers, a screamer and a singer, their lead singer, Tilly and Pearson was not kicked out of the band, but uh, went on a hiatus from the band for a multitude of reasons. And a lot of times when something like that happens, it's done. It's over. They, they just don't come back. And he made strides to better himself and the band let him back in very recently, but in the last two weeks or so, Tillian's back in dance, Gavin dance. He's been given a second chance. Didn't mean to rhyme that, but I did. And uh, not to take away the demons and the things that he allegedly did, but they let him back in. And that, I don't want to like shit on cancel culture, but in a, in a, a uh, world where it's very easy to just dismiss somebody and go on to the next thing and just never really remember them again. He stayed relevant. He did what he needed to do to better himself and he's back in the band. And I just think that's really great to see um, if some of the things he did had really occurred. Well, I'm not here to, uh, to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like prop that up or um, uh, God, I can't even think of the word. Uh, give a thumbs up to approve of. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but thank you for getting the help he needed and for coming back in. And I'm looking forward to dance Gavin dance with their full lineup um, in 2023 and rest in peace, Tim great record jackpot juicer. Um, just a very easy decision this year when it comes to albums and music. And there are some records that I thought I would love and didn't. And there are also some records that aren't coming this year that I thought would um, but ended up not. And I, this did not make good. I just wanted to add that I do hope that they tour next year and I would love to see them in concert. Have you never seen them live? No, that one I band didn't I, didn't, I didn't get to see yet. Oh, I took Pope Joy to that of all people. Um, yeah, I'd go in a heartbeat to see them with you. And they are they are so good live. I saw him and Tillian had broken his leg so he couldn't dance or anything. He just stood on the stage with a crutch. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, ma- it makes sense that if they brought him back in, I could see them kind of gearing up for a 2023 tour. So maybe we could yeah. see them in Philly. I think that'd be a good night. They were supposed to open for Coheed and Coheed kicked them off the tour based off mm-hmm. all the things that had happened. Man, so that would have been that would have been a great show to go what to. A, what a show that would have been, yeah. But uh, neither here nor there. I think like this didn't even come close to my top three, but I want to throw a quick shout out to armor for sleep, a band I was obsessed with growing up, got to see the reunion tour uh, when they did come back to Philadelphia. They released a new record this year and it almost fell on deaf ears. Not a lot of buzz about it. And I won't say it was as good as like what to do when you're dead or anything like that. But Armor for Sleep came out with new music in 2022. Hidden in Plainview dropped a new EP in 2022. There are bands that we haven't heard from in a long time dropping new music. And I'm so happy and excited about that. That like Silverstein came out with a banger. Misery made me death cab asphalt meadows. None of these made my list, but to have these new um, band or these old bands. I used to just 
I grew up with releasing new music even today makes me very happy that I never left my emo phase because it ain't a phase to me, damn it. Um, and Death Cab's doing a 20-year transatlanticism tour next year that uh, it's at the Met, I believe, or the Man Center in Philly, and, and Ryan Cunningham and I are talking about going. So talk about Death Cab and Blink in the same year. That's pretty wild for 35-year-old Greg, man. I'm living on the edge. Living on the edge, indeed. Let's talk about some bullshit, though. Let's go into our worst of the year. I have a couple more than three because I need to get something off my chest. But I'm going to start with you, Sam. Your top worst, or I guess your bottom worst of 2022. Okay, so my number three. I'm just going to go out and just jump out and say it. Ozark's ending. That was one of my my least favorite things of 2022. I... I, I think they, they messed up on the ending. I Again, from a show that we loved, season three is probably still my favorite. Um, where do I be? I had this on. I had this as my guess for you. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, it I had be. it as your... I, I had it as your number one, but... It, no, I, it, 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 I hope it's on your list because it, sh- it should be. How, how a, a show started so great and kind of just fell apart at the ending of basically... Rachel's character coming back for no reason. And we, we don't even know where last we see her. She's at the bird's fundraiser. So yeah. like episode before she kills a guy, like she kills Nelson. Like, okay. Like it, it led nowhere. It led nowhere. Nothing the, led anywhere. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. It made my list. Yeah. It, Craig, it had to, if, if, if it didn't make your list, something's wrong because <laughs> we love the show. Yeah, the ending sure didn't did. make sense of, of what Ruth her ending, the whole the cartel thing with, um, which is the the killing of, of of Navarro, and then his sister, like it, it, it never even ended. Like the sisters, what still run shit? So the birds are still doing shit for them. So we assume this Jonah kills the one guy with the shotgun well, at the end. I was about to say the the the, the undercover guy. Yeah, the, the undercover guy. But it's like they're still they're still doing the same shit. They like nothing changed besides Navarro dead. So, okay, so now they work for. His sister. They they work for Camilla. Well, that could be a potential spinoff. Yeah, but but it, it it's. I don't it, want it, it to be, sucked. but it could be. But it sucked. It it, it Rachel. It, she should have never came back at all. Her whole character. They just threw her in here. They Ruth they refu- they refused to do anything with the kids. Still meaningful. Charlotte is the biggest waste of a character. Charlotte was wasted. Uh, Jonah's they used, terrible. Jo- they used Jonah a little bit, obviously. Again, with with right. the gun at the end. But Nelson, like it, everything, kind of just was just thrown at the wall. At the ending was. They they tried to they, they rush it up too soon. I I, I don't know. I, I don't agree with the, the way it ended. I it's a shame that it, they took it to this end because it was so good and it just fell apart. They, they they I don't think they had an ending. They were writing as they were going and it just they didn't make sense. I feel like they might have did the Stranger Things thing where they, they had all like the lines and try to make it all work and just throw it in there and it just didn't work. I I such a it, the show was great, but the final season ending. Huge miss for me. Huge. They knew big moments and they wrote to those big exactly. moments. Exactly. Just like season eight of Game of Thrones, where they knew the big set pieces, but they had no idea how to get there. And that's and, I said Stranger Things. I meant Game of Thrones. And yeah, quite frankly, it. quite frankly, consequences be damned. They didn't care. And that was a big disappointment. I'll 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 speak a little bit more about that as it did make my worst list. Spoiler alert. Good. As it should. My number two, no surprise, is Jurassic Park Domination. Jurassic World Dominion. Jurassic World Dominion. Dominion. I was at domination. It's like you said Jurassic Park domination. That, 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 I, I wrote it. That's Jurassic how bad Park. it was. Jeez. No, seriously, it was it, it was terrible. Um, again, um, Chris Pratt was terrible. 
Bryce Dallas Howard wasn't great. They just shoehorned in Sam Neal, Jeff Goblar. Doesn't even make sense. They just threw him in here just to throw him in here. Just, just like oh, we need something, and it you know yeah a budget of one eighty five. Yeah, they made one point zero zero three billion. Like they still made money, but the story sucked. The reviews. 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that to me, that's being generous. Uh, I did see that uh, the director said, that we're going to have a sit down. We're going to see what the future is. Well, whatever the future is, do not include Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas. You mean Mario. I, Don't dude, include Mario. Scratch everything, dude. Like the movie was, I honestly, I think I liked this a smidge more than the one before that just because I got to see Sam Neill again. Like, they used my nostalgia against me. But their last two films sucked. They truly sucked. They There was no magic in any of them. It was piss poor writing. Shit didn't make sense. Cutscenes that you're... No. Horrible. It, I, I'm pissed that it made so much money, but... I don't know. It, it was just a huge disappointment for coming from you know a guy that I I love I I love the first three. People hate the first. Three. I liked William H Macy in, in Jurassic Park three. It's it holds up for me. That's one of my guilty pleasures. I actually like the first three. The fourth one, the first one released with Chris Pratt, I did enjoy, but the last two, hard pass for me. I'll never watch them again. <laughs> no surprise. Number one, the worst movie of twenty twenty two. Morbius. Morbius. Yeah, I thought that would be on your list too. I didn't get uh, your number two, but I had Morbius on your list as your number two. It's to me, Morbius, dude, it was. I just didn't care enough about it to put it on my list. It, yeah, it would have no, dude, it, I, I almost don't even want to talk about it. Like, I'm just going to, I'm not even going to talk long. I'm just saying, guys, a movie that was basically an hour and 35 minutes, it felt like it was three hours. It was terrible from everyone, from Jared Leto, Matt Smith. Tyrese Gibbs, everyone in this movie was terrible. The story didn't make sense. Where, oh, let's go in this uncharted land. Let's go on a boat where we can kill these people, where you can't kill people in your own lab that no one knows. But no, it, it was so freaking stupid. They shoehorned everything in from trying to have Vulture to Spider-Man, the end credit scene. This movie don't know what the hell it is. It, somehow, I think it made money at an $83 million budget. Somehow made $167.5 million. Fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I I hope to God we never see Morbius again because it was terrible. It, it should never even got off the ground. The, the script should have been thrown in the trash and burned. And then Sony they re-released it, listened to fans, and they made like eighty five thousand dollars, and they pulled it immediately because it was dog shit. Movie suck. Should never got made. Sony be better. So I got your number three in order. I thought Morbius would have been your number two, but it was your number one. I thought your number one was going to be She-Hulk. Mm, no. It was She-Hulk just... could, could have been four or five. Okay. Okay. So you did, you, you officially did not like that, that show. Miss um, Marvel, could I, I was thinking about for your list. I was thinking about Thor for your list. And, and, and Thor rightfully could have been in it because that, that movie wasn't great either. As well, yeah. but I, I thought just the Ozark ending in Jurassic Park, I just feel like it trumped that so much. Yeah. Um. So I only have six, uh, but I really, really, really want to talk about at least five of them. Um. So that's why I went to six. Uh. My number six is Sebastian Maniscalco. Is it me? Um. That's a shame. Yeah. I. I just. I laughed twice in the whole hour, and I didn't laugh for the first time until twenty minutes in. I didn't think. 
I didn't think he returned to form. As a matter of fact, I thought he showed. I think it's cool when comics have their stage gimmick, you know, like Kreischer without the shirt, Sebastian with his over the top mannerisms and things like that. But I think when your gimmick crosses into reality and we see kind of, you give us like a glimpse into who you are as a person outside of your comedy specials. I think he did that a little too much. And I, I just didn't care about almost anything he had to say. And when he was like, yeah, they identified as a lion. It's like, that's fucking brother. Have a little bit like read the room a little bit more. Uh, So I just didn't care for really anything in the whole special. And uh, that's two in a row for me that are duds for him. Still one of my favorite standups of all time. And I probably would have laughed more if I was in the room. Comedy is just a different breed live than it is watching it. Um, and when you're live, things tend to be funnier for some weird reason. Uh, I probably would enjoy it a little bit better if I saw him live, but every time we tried his shit sells out in two seconds, uh, either that or it's mega expensive and I'm not spending $175 mm-hmm. for a comedian. Um, I did that once for Bill Burr and it was worth it, but I had the nosebleeds and uh, there's that. But yeah, Sebastian, I thought it was really disappointing. Um, so that was not my number six. My number five, this is, this sucks. This hurts to put on my list, but Mario strikers battle league, um, was such a massive disappointment. There are very few things I really want from Nintendo. One of those is a Mario strikers game. It's like the best sports title Mario has. And it sucks because after last year's debacle with Mario golf, super rush and how disappointing that was to try and get that good grace back with battle league. Great strikers. But the second that game was announced with the title battle league, I came on this podcast and said, this is going to try to be rocket league. This is going to try to be an online thing. And they're going to shit on single players, like players who like to play offline by themselves, tournaments, campaigns, things like that. And that's exactly what they did a bullshit roster that they gave three free updates on. And now the game is quote unquote done. The finished product is here. Fucking eight months later, they string us along and they give us two characters every three months. Like stop giving us incomplete games that you feel like you're adding value later, but you're not because by the time you add the good stuff, we're gone. We're done. I'm not waiting around for this shit anymore. I'm tired of you releasing unfinished games. I'm fucking tired of it. Very cool that we get free updates. Shitty when those updates should have been in the main game. I don't give a shit about these six characters you added because they should have been in the base roster. And I gave up on your game because they only had eight characters to pick from. And you have to pick four for a team. Why the hell do we have eight characters to pick from and we're forced to pick four? Give us some weird, wacky side characters and the shit that we want. You have an incredible roster of characters from the Mario universe and you just continue to shit out Mario, Luigi, Toad, Peach, Donkey Kong, Bowser, Wario, Waluigi, and a Koopa. Like, it's like we know it's coming, yet you still do it. And then later you give us Daisy and Pauline and Bowser Jr. and the characters that you should be. But where are the funny, wacky, you know, Petey Piranha, whatever side characters 
I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the incomplete sports games. And if they do release a Mario baseball game, which is probably the only one they're missing from switch, we have golf, we have tennis, we have uh, battle league with strikers. I'm going to be extremely, extremely cautious about my hype levels, because if that releases unfinished and you're just going to give us three bullshit free updates in nine months again, I've lost faith in the Mario sports franchise. I'm tired of being hyped for these awesome games, playing them for a week, realizing they're not finished and putting them down. It was a waste of my $60 and I'm disappointed to hell in Mario strikers battle league. Nintendo, please get your shit together when it comes to releasing full games. I'm tired of it. My number four, an album that I wanted to love. One of my favorite bands of all time, a band I have tattooed on my right arm forever released one of the most, if not the most disappointing records of the entire year for me. And that sucks. They're a friend of this podcast. We've had them on, but jukebox, the ghost, I love that band. You know how much I love jukebox, the ghost. They released a record this year called cheers. And I was looking extremely forward to it, extremely forward to it. It came out all the way back in May, right after my birthday. I thought off to the races was pretty good. Um, It's nothing compared to their self-titled and the things they released before it. But it's been now seven years since I think Jukebox released something, uh, let's say, worthy of a full release. Off to the races has probably about half the record is good. The other half, extremely disappointed. Cheers. I didn't like a single song, not one song. And I'm talking like even the singles I didn't care for. So all 13 songs, all 39 minutes, a massive disappointment for one of my favorite bands of all time. I love jukebox. The ghost. So to be able to look forward to this record for three years, 2019 was when off to the races came out three years a pandemic happened in between releases mm-hmm. and to get this final product, unfortunately was my most disappointing record of the year. Hands down. I hope that they can uh, get back to form, but I kind of feel like they're not. I kind of feel like this is their new sound and my time with new jukebox may have passed and I may have to be reliant on nostalgia and their older stuff to get me through when I need that beautiful, sweet dueling piano. Uh, So Jukebox Mm -hmm. the Ghost comes in at number four. Number three, potentially contentious. Potentially can piss some people off. But my friends, this is more, this is another disappointing versus worst. My top two are definitely bad, bad, bad. But this from a hype level and from what we got, and Sam, you and I went on an hour and 15 minutes about Stranger Things 4. I thought Vecna was a fantastic villain from the look of it. I thought the Chrissy stuff was excellent and getting us into who Vecna is and how he takes his victims. But the plot armor, the the whole Max thing, the whole entire Eddie kill, my God, was that poorly executed. And... The two-part thing, again, there was like a month between. Why? Why? Because 
that ending to part one with the 30 minute monologue that he has talking to 11 in the room yet yeah, dude you could have just said i am vecna we got it we didn't need the monologue exposition the entire las vegas slash california storyline was terrible the only thing that was worth its salt this season was the hawkins stuff and oh by the way guess what for stranger things five the final season Dan and Dave or whatever, whoever the hell I can't, the Duffer brothers. Thank you. I I got it confused with game of Thrones, but the Duffer brothers said, yeah, we're going to keep it smaller. We're going to keep it in Hawkins because they realized that that's what we want. The Russia stuff was freaking terrible, dude. Terrible. We've said it before. Hopper shouldn't even be here. He should have been dead when he died because he fucking died. Oh no. He narrowly escaped a laser blast. Give me a break. Stranger things three. I thought was excellent up until the hopper stuff uh, at the very, very, very end. And then stranger things four just doubled down on the bullshit and all of it. But I think Vecna is a menacing and has enough promise as a villain that I think that they will redeem themselves in season five. I hope that they give Max some sort of permanent disability or injury. I hope that she is blind or bedridden or whatever, because that was terrible. She should have died. There should have been a kid uh, who didn't make it this season for like that ultimate payoff. But you did the same thing you did with Bob, the same thing you did with Billy. You get us to fall in love with the character and you kill him. It's the same formula you've done since season two. And they did it again with Eddie Munson. I know I'm much more of an Eddie fan than you, but I thought he was the best character hands down. I would have loved more Chrissy stuff or maybe some beyond the grave Chrissy stuff. Cause that was really good. But then the other victims he takes the kid with the glasses from the, from the, uh, the car accident and then the kid in the lake, like we got nothing on them. No backstory. We're just expected to be like, there's another Vecna victim. No, let's hear and see more about it. No, instead you're wasting our time with this Russia bullshit. And so, and this California bullshit and the whole, uh, Mike and, uh, the will thing, that, that whole, will they won't oh, they yeah, yeah. love thing? We get it, dude. We know where that's going. Jesus. God, I thought it was just, the most disappointing season. It's by far the worst season. Season two, episode seven, probably the worst episode still. still. Yep. Still the worst episode. But my God, was season four just overall a huge disappointment and something that I have zero urge to rewatch when it does eventually come in 2024. I'll just watch the three minute recap because that's all I want to see from Stranger Things four again. Number two, Ozark's final season. This is where we get into the bad. It just, it wasn't even disappointing. It was just flat out bad. It was almost yep. unacceptable for all the reasons you said. And I'll just hammer home something I said from the beginning. Jason Bateman was consistently fantastic throughout this entire show. Um, even I can't remember her name, but the actress who plays Wendy as a character, she portrayed that character. Marlene. A- Thank you. 10 out of 10. She was so good in the role, but the role lost its luster. She as a character failed towards the end and both kids were so underutilized again. If you couldn't remember how piss poor they use Charlotte, go back and watch the first three seasons. And you're like, oh yeah, they have a daughter too. Like you almost forget because she's so underutilized. There was so much there, particularly with what's her face's daughter that they could have gone. And then they just like, nope. She told her on the steps of something, and then you never hear about it again. And like Ruth's storyline, and the, basically the whole Langmore thing. And like 
to, uh, I don't want to spoil it yet for people, but like there's two big deaths at the end of part one that you're like, damn, but then you almost forget about them. And it's like, cool. There was no consequences, no stakes. And to your point, they're just under, they're still with the cartel. They're just under new management. They just have the sign new management coming soon. Like it's, it was, where are they now? What are they doing? You're leaving it that open-ended with the dumb shotgun thing at the end. Like so Sopranos esque, but like poorly done a ripoff horrible Ozark's final season is almost a waste of time. And I don't recommend it. Hell, I personally wouldn't hate it if you stopped after season one, because that to me was the pinnacle of the show. I know you feel a little differently than I do. At, at least get to season three and then you can just stop. Yeah. Season three, I thought was, was bad too. It's like almost a tale of two shows. Like the first half of the show series was really, really great. And then it just <laughs> dies and you'll never hear about it again. And I know that you and I are justified in our feelings on that show because literally nobody talks about it at nope. all ever. I haven't heard a peep since it came. Once the last part two dropped, that was it. There was never words spoken about the show it ever again. It came and it went and no one cares. And that's it how you know. Time, it had its time in the sun. It did. And then it died. That's how you know that it failed is because literally there's zero discourse on it anymore. Nobody even talks about how bad it was. People just forgot it happened. And you no, look back. On the I like Ruth. I like Ruth. Right. That's right. You look, you look back on the year and you're like, oh, yeah, forgot Ozark came out. Yeah, honey, we should watch that again. No, we shouldn't. Oh, yeah, you're right. That sucked. And that's all I have to say about my number two. My number one, I teased at our last episode. I said, I'm currently watching something that will make my list. And I didn't tell you what it was. We actually got a few DMs of people guessing, which was great. Nobody got it right. Um, but we are done it. It is done. It has been renewed for a second season, unfortunately. Uh, I'm sure I guess we'll we were going to say. Yeah. Is it a TV show? Yeah. Does it start with H? No. Oh. No, it's not Halo. Wow. No, it's not I, Halo. I'm shocked you didn't mention Halo, bro. I ain't gonna lie. I had I had you pegged at Halo. Halo would be in like the seven, eight range. It was so bad that I'm so apathetic towards it. I'll never watch it again. That's why it didn't make my list. Because I'll never see another second of that show as long as I live. All Don't right. care. All right. But number one for me is a show that just ended. Um, it was only six episodes and uh, it shat all over the legacy of these movies. And I'm talking about Disney Plus's The Santa Claus. The Santa Clauses is the show. Um, I'm, by the way, very surprised Andor didn't make your list. Um, Andor, Andor was very, a very good, very good show. Highly recommend Andor. Again, it's. Shows was tough because the bear and the Reacher really surprised me. I did not expect. I'm to shocked like them. about the Reacher for you. Yeah, I'm very very shocked. About it, the Reacher was great. So I was honestly Andor solid number four. Seriously, yeah. you get through the first three episodes, you're on to something. The Santa Clauses brings back Tim Allen as Scott Calvin and Santa. It brings back Elizabeth Mitchell as Carol and Mrs. Claus. They now have children, um, Cal and Sandra. Uh, I'll even spoil it. They, I won't say who, but they bring back a couple of characters from the movies, particularly one that everybody wanted to see pretty, pretty rough shape, but okay. Um, but then like they bring in Cal Penn um, from Harold and Kumar. This, That's that, interesting. And he plays Simon Chos- Choksi. 
I believe, Choksi, Choksi. So another SC. And he is the new Santa. He is Jeff Bezos, basically. He runs an Amazon type delivery tech company. And because of that, he becomes Santa and tries to basically uh, automate Christmas instead of Santa. They can just do robots and drones that deliver things. And it's like this horrible plot line where in like the first episode, Scott Calvin is no longer Santa. Like they fucking he like retires. It's it's just dumb. It's horrible. It's unfunny. It's unimaginative. They try so hard to bring the Santa Claus into 2022, even with the theme song and the soundtrack. And it's such a my, my wife said it perfectly. This is such a 2022 try hard show. And it's like, you're right. Mm-hmm. They tried so hard to captivate today and today's culture that in 10 years, when this world is completely different, this show, much like Wreck-It Ralph and like those cultural references, they won't matter anymore. No one's going to care. And it's like, it got fucking renewed. It's like, God damn, this is such an offensively terrible show. It's unfunny. Like I said, it's unimaginative. It's boring as shit. There is one good episode that does semi redeem it, but then it goes right off that cliff again. And it's like the Santa Claus is my second favorite Christmas movie of all time behind vacation. The original Santa Claus 1994, I want to say is a classic. It's a masterpiece. And you're talking 30 years almost later. You want to come out with a sequel series with the same characters, Tim Allen looks horrible, dude. And so, uh, yeah, it, so it, glad it, I didn't watch it. It was just a bastardization of an incredibly great holiday movie um, series or franchise. The third one kind of sucks, but whatever. Uh, the first one's just such an immaculate masterpiece that I, this show just I I hope I hope that I'm not asked to watch season two, but of course I will be. And of course I will watch because we are a Christmas family. I beg you to not watch the Santa Claus. <laughs> it is so bad. So, 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 so bad. Two hours, two hours, just under, just under two hours, about an hour 50. We got our wee pot awards done and now we have a, a full episode to do. So that's great. My, uh, my editing is going to be so much fun tonight. I cannot wait, but anything you want to add to picks I, of the I, year, honestly, we anything. The only thing that I'm honestly shocked is like I, I could have sworn Halo would have been in the top three just because how much you you hated it from the jump. That yeah, was the only one that I could think of that I felt like deserved to be on the list. Everything everything else I, I feel like was was solid. Yeah, they uh that that opening fight scene was really good and then everything else was so bleh that I just never want to think about that show again. And it if I did have a top ten, it'd have been in there that seven or eight range. There are some things that you'd be shocked that I left off that I did, but like, uh, yeah, it was a good year to hate things. A lot of, di- I think what it was, Sam, this year, more than any that we've done, this was a disappointing year looking forward to yeah. things that completely let me down. So that's where a lot of my worst of came from was just sheer disappointment from Nintendo to stranger things to the Santa Clauses. You know, one of my disappointments could have been, you know, Gotham Knights of just the funny mechanics, the bugs, just, you know, expecting more from it. I, you know, I'm glad I beat the game. I'm glad I played it. But that's a game that you buy for like 20 bucks on sale. You don't you don't buy that full price. It's it's already back on sale for 35 as we're recording this, by the yep. way, right now. I mean, like, you're right there. There are plenty of other things like I'm shocked for you 
I'm shocked. Now, granted, I, I applaud you for keeping it at three and not expanding it like me. I, I, I'm just too tempted. I, I can't help myself. But like, I would be very interested to find out where Moon Knight landed on your list. Now, Moon Knight wasn't even in my my movies, my TV show. cat. Like So the categories I had for like TV shows being up there was Peacemaker, All of Us Are Dead, Oh, the is that boy. the the, uh, the zombie show? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, the The Boys for All Mankind, Andor, and Bleach: Thousand Year War. They're my favorite so far. Like Bleach anime fans, guys, it's, it's on Hulu right now in English. I think they're on episode seven or eight. I am loving it right now. I am so happy Bleach is back. It is fantastic. Some things like I was hoping would hit this year, but I'm looking forward to early next year. The menu with Anya Taylor-Joy comes out January 3rd. Um, Shrinking is an Apple TV Plus show. Jason... Uh, oh, Bateman? my God. No. Oh, is it even Jason? The dude from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, I don't even... Oh, uh, Marshall. um... Marshall. Yeah, Mar- Marshall. I can't think of his freaking name. Oh, my God. Jason Siegel. 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 Yeah, yeah, Siegel. Both, yeah, he's in it. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, Love and Death on HBO Max is coming soon. Looking forward to that. Obviously, we got Last of Us. That's that's Last it. January fifteenth. That's what yeah. I'm ready for. Obviously, The Last of Us. Um, Yellow Jacket season two. We'll talk about that in a little bit. That I'm looking forward to. Um, blah, blah, blah. Mandalorian. We'll talk about. So kind of looking forward to that. So I have some things I'm I'm looking forward to. The Mario movie, probably my most anticipated thing outside of Yellow Jackets and The Last of Us. Um, Resident Evil four remake. The Plucky Squire. Eventually, we're going to get Pokemon DLC. So, like, there's definitely things I'm I'm really looking forward to. Judas, if that hits, yeah. like they say it will. So, the 2023 Starfield. There's some like the GoldenEye remaster that's eventually fucking coming. So, like, lots of things to look forward to in 2023. So, about this time next year, we'll do our eighth annual We Pod Awards. We only have 12 episodes in between, as opposed to 52. Yeah, uh, 51. So. A little bit different. You might not hear about all of our picks throughout the year, or maybe because we do our picks of the month, you will. I don't know, but you can bet your ass that we're going to be talking The Last of Us the next time we record. And two or three, three episodes from now, we'll be talking about Yellow Jackets. Maybe four because it comes out later in March, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. We have a full show to do now, Sam. I'm looking forward to the gaming section. Yep. And let me take it over. And again, speaking of games coming next year. Spider-Man 2 is confirmed for a fall 2023 release. This is when Twitter leaks turn into a good thing or accidents, I should say, because one of the directors at Insomniac tweeted out like excited to bring this to you in 2023. And we haven't heard about this since 2021 when it was first announced. Was it 2020? No, 2021 uh, at the PlayStation 5 showcase. Like, what are we hearing about this game? And now all of a sudden it's it's going to come in 2023. And then out of nowhere, both Insomniac and PlayStation put out a PlayStation blog article of things we're looking forward to in 2023. And lo and behold, at the very top of it is Spider Insomniac Spider-Man 2 coming fall 2023. So they basically took this dude's accident and ran with it and just said, you know what? Let's just give it to them. But we haven't seen a damn thing about it. We haven't had a PlayStation showcase this year, which is super weird. Um, So I don't know where we're going to see more of this game. Maybe just a dedicated state of play, or maybe they'll just continue the state of plays throughout the year because we haven't had a state of play in a while. We didn't even get one for Ragnarok, which I'm shocked about. 
Um, I, I don't know when we're going to see more, but I need to see more because we're getting miles in this game. We're getting venom in this game and we know nothing about it. Is it going to be the same map as the, as miles Morales and Spider-Man? What, what's the deal here? And what are going to be the dual sense capabilities? Because Spider-Man is a perfect apparatus for some really cool dual sense things. So looking forward to that. Hey, maybe that'll make our list uh, because it was my game of the year in 2018, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't make fall 2023, but Hey, that's when they say it's coming. We can only hope now let's recap the game awards. Um, outside of the bill Clinton kid and, and Christopher judges 7,000 minute speech that went way over that even Keely had to say something about this was a pretty good show, even though it wasn't really for me. Um, I have, I would agree. I'd agree. I have to be real. Like this was probably the best game awards ever in terms of new announcements. Although very few spoke to me. I got to admit there was some really big, cool stuff here. Yeah. There was cool. One of the cool moments for me was, you know, yeah, Christopher judge when he picked it up and, Al Pacino gives the award and says, hey, I don't know much about gaming. My sons play. And as he presents him the award, like Al's walking away and Christopher kind of grabs him by his shoulder and they just embrace in this hug and they both just have these huge smiles. And I thought that was one of my favorite moments from the show. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go in not order from the things that were revealed, but I'll just give you the biggest stuff. Um, this show had a lot. It had Final Fantasy 16 got a new trailer and a June 22nd release date. So now we know when we're going to be able to play the at least timed PlayStation exclusive final fantasy 16. I know you're, you said you were excited for that uh, when it was revealed. I don't know if you're still feeling that hype, but we'll be able to play that in just six short months. Armored core freaking from software yes. armored core fires of Rubicon. Is that something that speaks to you? I had Armored Core was a game that me, Carmen, and Monty played back in the day. So to kind of see, even like, I was so shocked. I didn't know they were working on a new Armored Core. That kind of took me by surprise. I was pleasantly surprised to see it. It, it actually looked badass. Yeah, Armored Core 6 releasing sometime in 2023. If you ask around, this was one of not only the biggest surprises, yeah. but uh, most people's like big hype moment of the show. And you know that it's going to be big when, A, it doesn't leak beforehand because very few if any leaks actually happened and b when jeff has that shit-eating grin on his face guys i am just beyond excited and honored to show you this world premiere and like you just know it's fucking coming and it did and very very cool for armored core hades gets an unexpected sequel that is just like holy shit hades 2 is is a thing now we're gonna get early access in 2023 for hades 2 uh ken levine the creator of Bioshock uh, unveiled the game he's been working on for like six years, just with a small team in Boston called Judas coming in 2023. It is a Bioshock game. It is so incredibly similar to Bioshock down to the plasmids, down to the look, down to the field, down to the character design. And we still don't know shit about the story. I think this is going to rock my socks if i gotta wait longer for this bioshock 4 that still is technically unannounced like jesus give me that game i cannot wait for bioshock 4 uh but if i gotta play judas in between that i'm excited what doesn't have me excited is you have the dead space remake coming next month in january and the spiritual spinoff the callisto protocol came out this year and was only five hours long 
and got shit on everywhere and had terrible performance issues. And like you think about ukulele, the spinoff to Banjo Kazooie, and you think about Mighty Number no. Nine, the spinoff of Mega Man, all by the creators of these games, and Symphony or the uh, Castlevania spinoff, Blood Blood. Uh, oh God, I can't think of it right now. But like that game sucked. All these spiritual successor wannabes from the creator of the original have all sucked. So like Judas doesn't have the track record, unfortunately, or the history on its side. The thing it does have on its side is Ken Levine is Ken Levine and he is a mastermind in terms of narrative. So if I get an eight to 12 hour Bioshock S experience, I'm perfectly happy with that and cannot wait for Judas. It's got such Bioshock vibes in space. I cannot wait. Looks fantastic. Sounds fantastic. If you haven't seen the trailer, it's only 90 seconds. Check it out. Judas. We got DS2 or Death Death Stranding 2 announced in the weirdest fucking trailer ever. Hard the hardest pass. Dude, I want to go play Death Stranding because like I keep hearing you gotta play it to get it. You gotta you gotta be in it to win it. Don't watch it. Don't read about it. Nothing. Play it and you'll kind of get it. However, I ain't paying a single cent for that game. I never will. So if it ever comes to like the PS plus free game of the month or something like that, sure. Or if they ever add it to that PS plus collection, which I don't think I'll ever get a new game at this point for PS five and I can play the PS four version. I'm down. I will play it, but boy, this is tough to get behind this movie, this game. This I'm just, I'm not a death stranding man at this point in my life. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be. The hardest pass. I again. I, I don't care. I can't watch it. I I've seen too many shit on the internet. I I just have no interest. I yeah. I didn't even think it sold good. I'm I'm shocked that they're making a second one. Well, it's Kojima. He can basically do what he wants. Like they can sell three copies and they're like, we made a profit. It's Kojima. But I, it did it did do pretty well. And I mean, it's doing well enough that it's going to get a movie adaptation. Even though Kojima says it's not going to be a big movie, not a big budget, a small art house thing. But who knows at this point. As of July 2021, the game has sold over 5 million copies. Well, there you go. And that's just that's just monstrous. So, um, you know, I think we look at like 50 million for Mario Kart and 6 billion for Grand Theft Auto 5. And we're like, that's the standard. But no, a million sales is still really good. Multiply that by five and that's a hit. So, yeah, I can see why it's getting a second one. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty's DLC expansion was announced that we saw gameplay and Idris Elba joins the cast. The thing that I hate about this is with all the bullshit that Cyberpunk went through over the last two years and the broken release and just like the ill will from CD Projekt Red and the hacking that allegedly went on. This is paid DLC. I think that's kind of sending it to its grave a little bit. I think the first piece of DLC you released to get the good graces should have been free, even if it's smaller. And then once you get people buying back in and realizing that there's good intentions and that the DLC is solid, then release the paid one. Um, I have a a sneaky suspicion that this ain't going to do great. Even though I do kind of have an itch to go back and play cyberpunk, I will never spend another cent on that. We saw a good look at uh, the new Star Wars game, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. 
It's coming out March 17th, so it's right around the corner. Cal Kestis, his second adventure. It's going to be bigger and better in every way. Um, Ian from Shameless plays him. I can't remember his name. Cameron Monaghan, I believe, is his yep, name. that's his name. He's he's back. Diablo 4 got a release date for June 2023. Street Fighter 6 got a release date for June 2nd. Looking forward to that. We saw DJ as well. Um, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. Got a new trailer. We still have no idea what the gameplay is. Nope. Um, it's coming out May 26th, but we now know that Kevin Conroy, um, the late great Kevin Conroy, will play Batman in his last voice Batman role, at least for video games. Yeah, I, I you know me, this game I was a hard pass on, but for that fact alone, I will have to buy it. Yeah, we will have to buy it. But at least in June... Our June episode, we'll have something to talk about. True, because you know, and ho- well, I just hope he's in it. Not like he don't just say one line. Hopefully, he actually has a little bit meat to the story. Because in June, the only thing going on in June, Sam, is E three, which is just not a big deal. You know, we're not going to have a big June episode. I mean, we're only going to have showcases out the ass from Xbox and Nintendo Direct and all the small ones. So you know, we're we're going to be hurting for June content. So I'm sure Suicide Squad's going to get a big chunk. No, I'll be lucky to spend ten minutes on that shit. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'll buy it. I'll play it. I don't know if I'm going to like it. We saw the first clip, not a trailer, but a 90 second clip from the Super Mario movie. And boy, was it was it just great. It was just great. Um, Looks absolutely beautiful. Everyone's great. The uh, music, what? dude, the music, the way Everything. they incorporate the music from the games in the background and the pipe sounds and all the just the wonderful audio alone made this clip worth it but i just thought that clip was so good my daughter is so obsessed with it that i would say four times a week her and i sit down together and in order she always says can we watch one two and the clip we watched the first trailer that was released with the penguins then we watched the second one with dk and all that and then we watched the clip in order we do that probably like i said three four times a week she's obsessed with it she cannot wait for this movie and neither can i that's awesome i love that yeah, uh, Tekken Eight got it in a, a trailer. Confirms another character coming back, which is June Kazima. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West got the Burning Shores DLC announced just for PS5, which thank goodness not PS4. Uh, that arrives April nineteenth, which is great to see some fucking PS5 exclusive content. Been begging for it. Crash, I called it. It did get a new game, and it did get exactly what I was saying a multiplayer game. This is a four V four multiplayer game coming 2023. Uh, it's called, I think it's called crash team rumble. And if you're looking for like a comp on what this is, go watch 10 minutes of Pokemon unite. And that's exactly what this game is. You're a character, you're going against the other team and you got to put a ball in a hoop. And I am so out. I hate it. I Pokemon unite was fun for a day. And I was like, what am I doing? Let me just go play a fun Pokemon game. Um, They're going to charge you out the ass. There's going to be a ton of microtransactions, all these characters, a battle pass, all this shit. And it's like, we don't want that for Crash. And that's the last thing on earth I want as a Crash game. At first, I was like, what the hell am I even watching? Uh, Again, it's always good. Crash, good, awesome. But this probably a hard pass for me. I will just have to wait for you know, the, the sequel to crash four, it's about time. So I, I'm sure I got a few more years to wait. Uh, if, yeah, if ever, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it sold good. So it, to me, yeah, it but, should, 
But you're but, probably never going to play it because guess what? Crash is about to be an Xbox property. So don't be shocked if it's an Xbox and Game Pass exclusive. So I would, sucks. I would imagine you're not going to be able to play Crash 5. So uh, if it ever does happen, I mean, God, 4 was so good. Um, it'll come to Switch too. I mean, Microsoft has a great... I mean, hell, it might come to PlayStation. You never know. But I would imagine it's one of the f- franchises because they're not going to keep Call of Duty exclusive. They'll probably keep, um, they'll probably keep Crash exclusive if they do yeah. anything with them. Who who knows? So Warhammer Forty Thousand Space Marine Two got gameplay revealed. This game looks really fun. Um, coming in twenty twenty three. Looking forward to that. Celeste. Uh, the creators of Celeste unveiled their new game. I loved Celeste. It was one of my favorite games of 20, I think 18, maybe 17. I can't recall, but what a great game. Earthblade. So that got its first trailer. Bayonetta Origins, a new Bayonetta game just a few months after Bayonetta 3 comes out, got announced. Hellboy is getting a video game adaptation. They have that game Crime Boss Rock Hay City with like Chuck Norris and Danny Trejo, Vanilla Ice, mm. um, Michael Madsen. It's got promise, but I'm I'm gonna pass. Cool cast, but no thanks. The Last of Us Part One is coming to PC on March 3rd, so even more people get to experience that. Returnal is coming to PC as well, um, and and that's that's really it. Um, oh, and Forspoken got a demo. Um, I'll save it. I'll save it. No, I won't. It's terrible. We can just skip that story. <laughs> okay. It's terrible. It's so bad. It's so boring. It's so dumb. Don't waste your time. Forspoken has dropped to my most, my least anticipated game Ouch. in PlayStation history. It's I am so out on Forspoken. Then the last story we have in gaming, Phil Spencer has announced Xbox and Nintendo have reached a 10-year agreement that would have Call of Duty launch on Nintendo hardware. I can't wait to play a 10 FPS call of duty game on switch my god what i get it they're trying to help this deal go through by saying look we're we're gonna release call of duty on on multiple platforms we're not gonna make it xbox exclusive and game pass exclusive and oh by the way we've reached out to sony and offered them the same thing and said it can go on subscription services but they're the ones saying no it's like no one wants to play call of duty on a switch when pokemon can't even run well I can see it being like the cloud version or I can see it being the multiplayer only and like no campaign or no war zone or only war zone or only the campaign. But like there is no way you're fitting this full package on a cartridge. And I also think the switch is probably only got a year and a half left. I think March to May of 2024, we're going to get Nintendo's next console. So really, I think this is more about the future of Nintendo much not the switch. I don't think we're ever going to see a call of duty game release on switch. This is probably for the future of Nintendo. And I think the next Nintendo system will probably be on the level of let's say PS four. And I think that you can get away with a call of duty there. If they are still cartridge based, I can see it being a digital download only because it's gonna be very hard to fit call of duty on a cartridge. If they go back to disc base, which I can't see them doing because I think they're going to continue some sort of hybrid console handheld thing. It's just too popular and too good of an idea. So it, it's weird. It's super weird, but at least it's going to happen. And I have a feeling eventually we're going to hear the same thing with Sony. It's too big 
of a franchise not to have on PlayStation. This is one that will be a Microsoft property, but I think we're going to be able to play it on PlayStation no problem forever. This is not going to be an issue. All right. 9.57 p.m. on a Thursday. Let's get into the movie section. I'm going to put these two first stories together because they're both Disney properties, and we can just talk about them. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and Indiana Jones 5 both got trailers, debuts, um, our first looks at them. I only watched the Guardians one. I don't I don't care about Indiana Jones almost at all. Maybe the cool Avalanche Xbox exclusive game might look all right, but Harrison Ford as Indy just ain't doing it for me anymore. So I'll just leave it at, hey, what'd you think? So Michael and Indy first or Guardians? You could just go both. You could just talk about them. Okay, Guardians, I, I thought looked good. You know, Guardians, I, I, I really enjoyed the first two films. Um, third one, okay, so it looks, okay, is Drax and Raccoon, are they dying? That Like Rocket, Rocket Raccoon, it looks like they could be the two deaths, maybe even Chris Drax, Pratt himself. Drax, I can see 100%, yeah. Like, there's got to be the emotion. Who, who does everyone love? Drax and Rocket. So either one of them or both of them are going. I, you have to lose somebody. There's the last one James Gunn's going to direct. It's the last time we're going to see this team as the Guardians of the Galaxy, whether some members make it to the next one, the next batch, Phase 5 or Phase 6, what have you. But this will be the last time we get this team. And I, I think it's plenty. To get three films on, you know, no one really knew who Guardians of the Galaxy was. The first one took every, the world by storm, and no one expected it to make this much and continue. I love that they brought James Gunn back, even though he was fired, he was brought back. He still got to write it. He still got to direct it. And um, I just, I'm just glad that he gets to kind of fulfill his vision of his trilogy of, of Guardians movies. So I'll see it day one. I thought it looked fun. I mean, they get off the ship. They're in that weird neighborhood. And that's where James Gunn is like the master of his, like the awkward, fun looking alien characters, or like those side characters. Yeah. And like they get off the ship and there's like a bunny looking man. And some, and that's where I think he shines. That's what I think he's going to do with. Yeah, you know, Will, he Will Poulter, squad. he he looks cool as Adam Warlock. I'm I'm expecting big digs from him. He looks but, like you know, he just fell in a vat of glitter. I'm I'm kind of like whatever. He just looks golden. <laughs> I'm not. I wasn't I'm super. That we finally get to see him after the big setup of two yeah, and pieces. Yeah, and, it, it, he literally just looks like himself, but with gold body paint. And so I wish they did a little bit more, but I get it. I mean, it's fine, especially coming off the video game. The Guardians video game that from last mm. year where Adam Warlock was in it and looks nothing like he does in the movie. And so, I mean, I think they did a really nice job of Warlock in that uh, in that game. So and it's another game you really got to play it. It's, it's really good. But I, I don't care for Indy. And uh, so I didn't watch that. The trailer. only thing I'll, I'll say for Indy is looks like um, Mad Mickelson's the bad guy. That's yeah. that's probably my price of admission to go. I love Mad Mickelson. I think he's a great actor. And, of course, I've seen all the other Indiana Jones movies. The last one was probably the weakest with Shia LaBeouf. I mean, you got to think, when this movie comes out, Harrison Ford is 81 years old. Yeah, they de-aged him. He looks younger. Looks Again, good. Looks that good. technology looks great. I have to see just to kind of close out this chapter of Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford. I'm sure eventually there's going to be either a reboot or some kind of TV series because they're not just going to end Indiana Jones like it's – yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Harrisford wish it would end, but there's too much money invested. And Walt Disney, I could see them continue to crank it out with a new actor. So I'll, I'll say it just, you know, I got told June 30th of next year. I'm good. Yeah, I'm just like, 
yes, the de-aging looks good, but what about when that's in action? What about the action scenes where you know it's a stunt double with a de-aged Harrison Ford face? And I know it's a movie budget versus a Disney Plus show budget. You think about um, the de-aging they did on Hamill, the CG they did on She-Hulk, and it doesn't give you a lot of faith. But then again, they don't have that movie budget. So it's like six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. And as good as the de-aging tech looks on a still photo, I re- you know, and in, and in some of the places of the trailer, how is that going to translate to a full movie? And will it be distracting knowing that that actor is 81? Uh, yeah. we, we will see. I, I think this is the end of the line for Indy, at least this version. Maybe they go James Bond and continue to recast and build up that legacy. We will see as time goes. But, um, you know, Indy 5, Guardians 3, <laughs> both coming next year. Uh, this is going to be very heavy DC focused for quite a while. Matter of fact, the entire rest of the movie section is outside of one anime thing because we already talked about Death Stranding, so we don't even have to go there. Uh, DC Studios has been making waves. James Gunn been making waves since kind of taking over the Feige role for DC Studios. So I apologize if we're kind of all over the map here uh, because stories seem to come out seemingly every single day. Uh, Henry Cavill no longer coming back as Superman. And he's even, and we have in the rundown, will he come back as the Witcher? No, he will not. And he's even now doing a Warhammer movie or TV show. I can't remember. I think it's a movie. So like, who's going to be Superman? We don't know because James Gunn came out and said, I'm making a movie with Superman. And oh, by the way, it's a younger Superman. And we also have the other Superman movie that's in uh, the works with the African-American Superman. So like, what the hell is going on with Henry and James Gunn and all this stuff with DC Studios. Yeah, I mean, it. it it's. I, I feel bad for Henry, man. It, especially everything he went through with the, with the mustache, the Justice League cut, the Whedon, the, the Zack Snyder cut, finally getting to see it for filming. Yeah, then he gets the cameo for Black Adam. Then they tell him, yep, go out, greenlit, that you're back as Superman. Nope. Month later, oh, you're gone. Nope, you have to leave Witcher. Oh, for Super. Oh, it, it's, I, I just truly feel bad for Henry. And in his response, he just took it on the chin. Such a, a gentleman response. We expect something like Henry to write. Um, I, I, I just think he's just got a, a tough break with it. But again, I, I think he was a, a fantastic Superman. He said, you know, him again, gotta, gotta love James Gunn. He's always been up front with his, his Twitter with everyone, DC said they had a meeting and maybe down the line discussions. I can see Henry coming back as an Elseworlds um, Superman of um, like when um, Kingdom Come Superman. I could see Henry coming back for that. But for right now, they it's going to be a younger Superman. We're not going to get an origin, thank God, so we don't have to go up to, to blow up Krypton again. So that's cool. I, I just feel bad for the guy. Um, I you know the reason why he's not going back to um, The Witcher that there was creative differences, that they were taking it differently than the way he, he wanted it. So after three, that was his contract. He's up. And the Warhammer thing, I believe that is a television series that he's actually going to be the executive producer and he's going to actually have control of the story and stuff like that. And and he's been, you know, he said he's been doing Warhammer for over 20 years and playing it since he's a kid. And, you know, I grew up at Games Workshop playing Warhammer as a kid, painting the figures, building, battling them. Um, I, I said for years that if, when technology gets there, Warhammer could be one of the best movies 
like a franchise if it's done right just because of how many different armies are, how many how many different characters, what world he sets it up. Hopefully, it, it, he does set up a Warhammer world because I would love a like a Space Marine movie. Then there's an Orcs and Eldar and Tyranids. Like there's so many different ways that they can go. So to hear that he at least there's a passion project for him, something he's always wanted to do. I wish him nothing but the best. And of course, I will be day watching number one Warhammer. Doesn't this also kind of open the door for him to be our next Bond? I mean, that that's also a great point there. He was in the runnings for a lot of years for talks of being 007. But, you know, when you're doing The Witcher, when you had Superman, that's all your time there. Now, them two are gone, depending how much time you has to uh, put on Warhammer and 007, because that's a, a physically demanding role. And I'm sure if they did lock him up for 007, they're going to want like a 10-year contract. So, I mean, hey, if he does get in the running, I, I fully support him because I think he knocked that out of the park. Yeah, I, I, you almost got to think he's the front runner, or at least at the top of a list. Like I, I truly don't know where else they plan on going. Like one of the Edgerton dudes, if they want to go super young, they I can just think go... he's too small. Like Edger, he's like a five eight dude. Like at least like Henry's a tall guy. I don't know. I, I just it's tough to look at the small guys to be James Bond for me. That's fun. I, I, I don't know. I think we're probably still a year or two away from the announcement of the new bond i almost feel like it's like i i I can actually say next i i'm saying next year we will find out who the new bond is and the new 23 yeah 23 we'll find out who the new bond is and the new movie will be out either late 23 or early 24 wow i would i would think it's late 24 early 25 but hey there's no reason not to start filming i'm sure it's already written and they're just kind of they're, 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 again, they're in the pr- acting, you know, they probably want to see everyone around the world who goes bond. They want someone who's going to be like Daniel Craig. They, you need to put at least 10 to 15 years like obligation. So it's going to be tough. Wonder Woman three looks to be dead in the water again. I think James Gunn and, and Peter something, they have their vision for what they want the DCEU or the DCU or whatever you want to call it to be. For DC Studios' new film universe, I think they have a a, a, a roadmap, and yeah. Wonder Woman three with Patty Jenkins just ain't on it. And also to double down on that, Black Adam not on it. The Rock came out and said he met with James Gunn. The immediate future, there's not going to be a sequel. He's not going to be portraying Black Adam or bringing him back right now. Potentially, they can collaborate in the future, but it looks like Wonder Woman three, Black Adam, just gone. I mean, Wonder Woman 3 makes sense because Wonder Woman 2 sucked. It bombed. It, it it was terrible. It lost money at the box office. It was reviewed horrible. It was Black too Adam long. didn't do much better, dude. It, it, it didn't do, but I, I think Black Adam was a much better film than Wonder Woman. At least it, it, it actually made somewhat sense. It had better action, a better story, and it I didn't care for anyone in Wonder Woman in Wonder Woman 2. At least I actually cared for Dr. Fate. Maybe I would have liked to care for Hawkman a little bit more. But again, the, the Black Adam was not not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination. But Wonder Woman three makes sense. It it just looks like all the movies that were in Zack Snyder's plan, like they're all going away. I I think Aquaman two will be the last um, Aquaman movie we're going to see um, him in. Like Jason Momoa, I think he he's he's gone as Aquaman. I think that's his swan song. There was already um, cameos supposedly shot that Wonder Woman was supposed to appear in it. That um, Ben Affleck was supposed to appear in it. 
Superman possibly was going to appear in something. I'm sure. Imagine all that's going to get cut because you can't just have one cut keep the other. I feel like they're just going to, after this film, it had a freaking budget over 200 million. So of course they're going to have to make some money back. And after this, you know, Aquaman hopefully makes money. It ends. Then that'll lead into the, I know we talked about, I think on the last pod that uh, was Jason Momoa was dream project that it was basically greenlit by James Gunn. And it looks like it's Lobo, which Makes the most sense. I mean, Christ, Jason Momoa, I don't even think he doesn't even have that makeup. He literally lo- already looks like Lobo. Yeah, recasting so. and basically ending his reign as Aquaman and recasting him as Lobo has, has yep. been the rumor. Yeah. And that makes, I, I I mean, again, you know, no offense to Aquaman. You know, I did I did like Aquaman. I think it, it actually is a good movie. It just visually, like, Jason Momoa is not what you picture when you think, at least when I picture Aquaman, Jason Momoa is not what it is. But when I think of Lobo, Jace Memo is a perfect casting. Sign me up. Yeah. Um, I think a lot's changing in the DC Studios realm. And one thing that I'm shocked is staying is this Flash movie with all of the controversy surrounding Ezra Miller and just the film in general and potentially cut cameos for that as well. Um, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, whomever, Black Adam. I, I can't even recall who was supposed to be cameoed in that. But that could be gone as well. But we are supposedly getting a trailer for The Flash, the debut trailer, during the Super Bowl. Um, one which our Philadelphia Eagles should be in. But we'll save that for February. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something you're still looking forward to with all the changes coming to DC? Are you even surprised that this is still on the slate? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like this movie has to come out just because how much money they already invested. It's, it's a 200 200- million dollar budget plus whatever they put in the marketing um this was supposed to be ben affleck supposed to be in it you know michael keaton um uh, sasha callie is supergirl michael shines back as as general zod i'm, I'm interested to see what this movie is it, it's, it's odd that the movie's coming out before aquaman because when you think flash flash is like the restarter he's your reset button so it, I, w- I kind of wouldn't be surprised if they push Aquaman forward and push the Flash after it, and then Flash is the reset. That that's, It would make more sense in my mind. So if there was a switch of Flash and Aquaman in release dates, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But, you know, this is, to me, the, the, the swan song of every old, of every um, actor from that was left over from Zack Snyder. This is it. This is the final movie. We're not, we're not getting the Batgirl movie, so this is probably going to be one of the last times you could see Michael Keaton as Batman. This is one of the last DC movies pre-gun. Like This is yeah, yeah. the old guard on their way out. And I think, like you said, that reset that's going to happen beginning in probably late 23, early 24, when Gunn's movies really start to get off the ground and, and coming out, and you start to see the shape of new DC, like... I almost feel like this movie is kind of getting sent to die. I mean, they are marketing it hard because the first trailer is going to happen with a huge audience for the yeah. Super Bowl. But at the same time, it's the Super Bowl. Every commercial is a giant budget thing. And I don't want it to get lost. Well, I kind of do because I don't care about this movie. But like get lost in the sauce. There's going to be a lot of other things happening that night. And I pretty much doubt that this is going to be the thing that steals the show. It's the flash. We kind of know. I mean, again, you have the flash. You have Michael Keaton coming back. You have Ben Affleck in it, and you have Ben Affleck saying that it was his favorite scenes that he filmed as the Batman, and he kind of like, it was a nice finish for his Batman. So it's like, but like, it's a Pattinson lot of people's their final like, bow. Thing. Like 
that that's the thing here is there's two Batmans right now. And you're, you keep saying not you, but like the, in general, you keep saying, Oh yeah. Ben Affleck's favorite, but like Pattinson's Batman to so many people now. And you want to talk about James Gunn and like that DC. What about the whole other spinoff universe of Matt Reeves, Batman? Cause that's pre gun and the Joker. We have folly Ado coming. They're that's still happening. Reeves. Yeah. And so like, there is a lot of, like DC has kind of got multiple timelines or multiple whatevers. The one thing Marvel has going for it is its cinematic universe is completely in continuity. They, cause they even started to pull in the Sony movies into the MCU as shitty as those movies are. The Sony movies just aren't great. At least they're starting to be tied into the MCU. Whereas DC right now we have multiple different, I guess worlds or whatever all over the map. And it's like, wait, I thought for the casual viewer, I thought Pattinson was Batman. Why is Affleck back? And this, it could be a little confusing. So I just kind of want this to be over. No disrespect. I'm just ready to be done with this era of DC. Fast forward two years and start this new thing. Cause I am not looking forward to the Joker sequel. I never was. I thought that movie was good enough to just be its own thing. A one and done. And we'll see where Pattinson goes. Cause I feel like they could kind of pull him in. I think that had promise. And so let's kind of see where they go. I don't need two Batmans. I don't need to see Ezra Miller ever again. But if we're going to, let's just get this shit done. And so I I don't know. That's where I kind of land with all this DC stuff is I'm just ready for the new thing. I'm ready to to just, I guess, move on. Yeah, I know. I I, I think you have to. At this point, let everything flash. Let him be the final bell, the reset. and, And James Gunn, we trust. Let's just uh, hit the old dusty trail. I like your hat. All right. Uh, final final story in movies before we end with television. Netflix is making a live action My Hero Academia movie. No release window yet. I'm still waiting for a UU trailer. Am I like yeah. the only one? Can we please? Still waiting for that UU trailer. But again, it's a um, My Netflix Hero Academia. I hear, I hear so many great things about this. Anime. Good. I think it's really fun. I, I, I just like haven't had time to start yet. I'm sure once I watch, I'm sure I'm going to love it. You have Hulu, don't you? They have all the. Anime. I do. Yeah, I do. I, I can watch it. You can watch it on there. That's where I watch you. I mean, like they have all the cool anime on that. So check that out. It's a good one. Hunter Hunter. Also very good. I like. Yep, Hunter still Hunter. didn't start that one, but it's that's, it's on the list. It's on the list. That's from the creator of you. So you get a lot of you vibes in. Hunter. Nice. Hunter. So I definitely recommend that. But. Uh, you know, this is another anime that Netflix is taking live action. Hit or miss so far. Get you, you right first. Yeah, for real. I mean, like you messed up Cowboy Bebop. Let's call that what it is. That Bleach live action movie was messed up. Um, what's another one they're doing? They're doing Avatar, I believe. Uh, yep. Might even, might even be a TV And I believe, I think I just read a story before we started that Avatar is getting a brand new anime series yeah. coming like 2025, 2026. All that, yeah. yeah. What's the other... Anime. They did Cowboy Bebop. They did. I said that they messed. They that did up Bleach. Part. They did said that. Oh, Bleach! Right, that's another one. They uh, there are a couple Attack on Titan live actions, not yep. Netflix, but Brony Kenshin, but not yeah. Netflix, but it's on Netflix. But so I mean, it's been hit or miss. But let's get you you right, and then let's talk my hero. And then yes. I, you know, I'm fine. I think my hero's fun. Nothing for me to write home about, but I think it's fun. A lot of people just truly love it. Uh, ending with TV tonight, one, two, three, four stories in TV, all pretty big. Uh, we'll start with God of War. 
we kind of teased it earlier when we were talking about game of the year. And I think he maybe even picks of the month, the God of war live action TV series has found its home. It's coming to Amazon prime. I think that's a perfect spot for it. Amazon has all money. I was going to say with their big budget, Lord of the Rings. And that's what I'm saying. They're also doing the fallout TV series. So they have the video game TV series stuff down. I, 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 the only thing I'm, I'm, concern about it for the god of wars they're they're gonna jump in with they're following him with kratos and atreus story so i just worry that they missed you know the origin of of kratos in the first three or four games that we got and we're just jumping right to norse mythology that's my only little worry is you're we're missing a lot of his backstory yes they are going heavy into the Norse timeline. That, that's following. that's it. That that's my only thing. I'm a little bit nervous. You're just jumping so far ahead. But no, like, okay, okay, that's what you guys want to do. I'm just just being a little trepidatious. Is all. I I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if if they somehow weave in a dual storyline with the Greek stuff in there, or maybe if this has success, they do a spinoff, or uh, maybe it's an anthology and like each you know they could do a couple seasons on one and then switch to the other. There's ways you can do it. Um, I would just like to see the Fallout show and the Last of Us show and this Bioshock movie and this Gears of War thing, this Twisted Metal series, which has got to come soon in 2023. We're oh, definitely going to have that. So, like, let's see how these other things, this Horizon show that's coming, this Death Stranding movie. There's so many properties for video games that are being turned into live action media, whether that be TV or movies. Let's see them stick the landing and what God of War can learn from it, because it's already going to be weird enough that Christopher judge is not going to be Kratos yep. and we're going to have to get used to a new voice and we're going to have to get used to a new look. And I, I don't know what they're going to do or how they're going to do that and how they're going to differentiate themselves from the games. You want to tell me that you can think of a better story than the Thor storyline in Ragnarok. You're probably not what's bigger than Thor and Odin. There is nothing. So I, I'd be interested to see how they take it. And if they just do a one-to-one with the stories we already know, that's going to be a little disappointing. If they pull a Last of Us and do the game storyline, the pre-existing one, but add in new characters and original material, fine. But I don't know if that's the direction they're going to go. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about the God of War show before we move on? No, we can move on. The Mandalorian got a release date for season three, and it's not that far off, my friends. March 1st on Disney+. Plus. Only two years and three months after season two. So a little bit of time has passed. Just a little bit. Like I'm still excited. I, I still love The Mandalorian. I'm just looking. I see John Favreau wrote all eight episodes with a little help from Dave Filoni on the, I think, the fourth and seventh episode. So, I mean, th- this is John Favreau's baby. Um, we're getting another eight episode season. I, I-, I can't wait. Pedro is going to have a hell of a year with last of us into the mandalorian so i i think oh, my shit. guy is ready to yeah. he's ready to have a hell of a year he's gonna made, overlap I mean, too for that's what i'm saying he's gonna have back dude he's gonna have back to back like number one shows right now hey one on disney plus and he's got one on hbo they uh the last of us will s- s- end what Jan 15, right? It, well, it starts Jan 15, yeah. Jan 15. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It will have one, 
two overlapped episodes because it'll end on March 12th yep. and March 1st. So you're going to have two episodes of overlap of him doing two of the biggest shows of 2023. So yeah, definitely. Uh, holy shit. Pedro is going to have a great first half of 2020. And, and I'm also seeing that a fourth season is in development for Mandalorian. So there you go. There you go. Mandalorian will continue to drive new subscribers, drive hype to Disney plus because quite frankly, not a lot is right now. Um, the face. I still got, I still got to finish the finale of uh game changers. That's the only one I have to watch. Then you got to start big shot. All right. Uh, yellow jacket season two. This actually happened, um, a little bit ago and I didn't even realize it, it happened. Like it happened after we recorded last episode. So it's still technically news for this, but I didn't find out about it or report on it till like six days after the announcement was made or five or six days. So I was way behind. Somehow I missed this, but yellow jacket season two got a release date. Unfortunately, it is a year and two months of waiting, but March 24th, it will come out. Um, it has already been renewed for season three as well. So they've got the early renewal uh, and we now know when it's coming, which is great to see. It's going to be, a, like I said, a week after The Last of Us ends. So that time is going to fly because The Last of Us is just a few weeks from now. I'm glad they're not at the same time. It's now going to be a Friday night show instead of a Sunday night show. Showtime is no longer doing their heavy hitters on Sundays. They don't want to compete with HBO. They want to do Friday nights. So that's going to be new. That's going to be fun to be able to sit down after a long work week and enjoy a show like Yellow Jackets or Your Honor, some really good Showtime stuff, but different. I'm excited. They also said the creators of the show uh, cleared up any questions about cannibalism. They said, we're not telling the story of if they do cannibalism. It's why they resort to cannibalism. So we're going to get the good shit. And I'm very much looking forward to wintertime, which season two is going to take place in winter um, as opposed to spring when they are going to have to forage for food and I imagine we're going to start to see some shit. Um, do you remember a movie in the 90s? I love this movie. It was one of like the chick flicks. It was called Can't Hardly Wait. Seth Green was in it. It sounds familiar. Like, uh, uh, I got to have sex tonight. 92%. Do you ever? Nothing. I don't know. It's just it's Jennifer been a while, love, man. Jennifer Love Hewitt was in it. Uh, the lead character from that movie or one of Ethan Embry was in it. Um, Lauren Ambrose. She was also in six feet under. She is adult van. They cast her and they just released some, some footage of her. So we know adult van with the scarring is going to be in there. Adult Lottie looking forward to season two of yellow jackets. Very, very much. I'm sure you and I will have a conversation about that when it releases probably in the April episode, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, and then our last story of the night of the month this is a pretty big one. Um, this is our childhood. This is the last 25 years. 2023 will be the end of Ash Ketchum and Pikachu. They are Their story is ending in the Pokemon anime beginning in January. As a matter of fact, they're going to get, I believe it's seven or 11 episodes. I can't I, recall. I, I, think, I think it was 11 or 13 jumping out something at me. Like, yeah, yeah, something like that. The and final that, episodes. And then that's it. They're going to start a new anime series based in Paldea with brand new protagonists. Yeah, no more Ash, no more Pikachu. He, he he beat the Elite Four. He's the champion. 
that his story's finally coming to an end. I mean, I, I feel like it's people probably were like begging for a new story. Like we're done with Ash now that it's over. People are like, wait a minute. We're not ready. <laughs> we're not ready to see him go. But it's dude, like, yo, he had a hell of a ride, man. 25 years as the leading character of the Pokemon anime. And it's like no more. And I think we're at a point now. They've told every story they possibly could. What yeah, else? He had every Pokemon. I saw, I saw he, that he sees Ho-Ho again when he's flying on Lugia. So it's like. The first episode he sees it, the last episode he sees it. I was like, that was a nice touch. And he he won he won the Orange Islands thing in like season two, all the way back in the nineties. Like they did that where he technically won that tournament, but because the Orange Islands aren't a real thing in canon and it's not like an actual yeah. official tournament, he was never the champion. And then you fast forward to Alola and now in Galar, he is the Pokemon champion. So they've said, All right. That's, he is the master that he's always wanted to be. He's the best that no one ever was. Time to move on. And I have fallen off that anime hard. I don't watch it. Same. I haven't watched it in the last years, 10 years. Years, plus. years. But uh, I still go back to the originals. My my daughter loves it. And so like we still watch it. Her favorite episode is the Snorlax episode where he's blocking the dance. Oh, stream. love that. Love that. Uh, and then her second favorite episode is the one with Charmander when the rain and his fire. Yep, yep. And yep. so like. That's her go-to. And then she also loves the Star You, Star Me episode because she knows Star Me. So she she knows her episodes. We go to it. She's up to like, she knows about 100 Pokemon now. She's really, really good with that. Really smart. But anyway, end of an era. Pretty crazy. And I feel like I have a weird feeling that this new one is just not going to be received well simply because it's new. Yeah. I I don't think it's going to. You're not. It's not going to hit us as hard as Ash's story, and I think we're always going to go back to man, we miss Ash. Then maybe one day we'll see Ash what he's up to later on. But for now, give oh, him a little sure. break. It's for sure. He'll cameo. You know it. Yeah. Uh, my question is because they're doing two protagonists, but all three of the Paldea starters in this new series. I wonder what the new mascot. Like it's always been Pikachu, right? And then they started to bring in Eevee as kind of the second mascot. Is it going to be these Paldea starters or are they going to bring in a new Lucario, whatever kind of main Pokemon to like really market around? And I wonder there's a thousand now. So like, I wonder who that's going to be or what that's going to be. I, I can definitely see like the Eevee, like the I know uh, Umbreon right now, especially with the evolving skies that came out like last year, two years ago. There's like the, they call like the Moon Brion. It's going for over like 500 bucks just raw. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do kind of start maybe like an Eevee involved to an Umbreon because I feel like Umbreon's like the like the next Pikachu or the, the the big talked about Pokemon. But you know, yeah, maybe they do a, a newer. It'll like be newer interesting starter. to it'll be interesting to see who they hitch their wagon to. Yeah, as like this new exactly. mascot. And I do have a feeling it's either going to be a Kanto Gen One. Or it's going to be a new one. I don't think there's any in between. Yeah. They love their nostalgia or they want to go with something brand new and, and do the slate clean. But as I look through the Paldea decks and like think in my head, who the hell would it be? I got nothing outside yeah. of the starters. I got nothing. So maybe they will go with just the starters. Um, but then that doesn't leave you in a great place for like Gen 10 and like stuff like that. So it, it'll be interesting. Maybe, you know, what they could do is instead of one 25 year long storyline, they do an anthology and every gen that releases for the games, they reboot the anime and oh, kind of make it something. Okay. I kind of hope that's the way they go and just give themselves that life of a new anime series 
every time they they bring out some games. That's what I could hope for. But that that'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. Just under three hours, just like last month. Um, tons of stuff to talk about, and uh, my voice is ready for bed. Uh, but I'm gonna stay up for a few hours and edit this and get this into your feeds. I can't thank you all enough for hanging around for the awards. It's always going to be my favorite uh, thing we do. And Sam, thanks again for another great episode. dude. Oh, it's always a pleasure. We look forward every year. It comes and goes by. I feel like so quick and uh, we look forward to next year. Yeah. And our next episode will drop sometime in January and you can bet your bottom dollar. We're going to have the last of us. Oh, HBO yeah. Impressions. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, wouldn't yeah. be shocked, ladies and gentlemen, if that is. That's the show. That's the majority, <laughs> yeah, of what we're talking about. No game really releasing for yeah. me until March when Resident Evil 4 remake hits. So March will be or April will be great with uh, Yellow Jackets and Resident Evil and shit like that. But I would imagine the bulk of next month will be our impressions yeah. of The Last of Us on HBO. So with that, thank you so much for hanging out. We will see you next month for January. Episode. Have a great Christmas. Have a safe New Year. We'll see everybody next year.